Hey, welcome to the 314th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently looking at Stan Lee, John Romita, Sr. era of Amazing Spider-Man. So you can hear about that. Sometimes I do off-the-mind topics. Sometimes I talk about older movies, not stuff that's currently in the theater that we talk about on this show. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash heck. What is going to happen this week? Our movie feature is The Equalizer 3. Which, uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I, I never, I wasn't sure if I was going to see that movie. So we'll actually, we'll talk more about that later. We also have Adventure Time is sort of back. Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. So I'm really excited about that. Two episodes of that dropped. I only thought there was going to be one. And then uh, we have another Ahsoka. We have another Harley Quinn. Another My Adventures with Superman. And I decide, I think we'll see. I might only do one episode of Twisted Metal this week. We'll see. Maybe two. Uh, but let's get with the news. There surprisingly wasn't a whole lot of news. And, you know, what I'm starting to think is we're going to probably start getting less and less news with the strikes going on. The strikes are still going on and it's, it's, it's affecting everything. Um, the latest with Disney, you know, they're, everyone's moving things back. And some things are, you know, stuff like, like uh Daredevil, uh, Wonder Man, or you know, are, are these things that, like during, I think Daredevil's like in, in mid-production and it like halted, so uh, that's going to be a problem. You know, hopefully they can pick things up, and I don't even know what that means. You know, like with in terms of people working with it, and it's like, are they committed? Do they do they have another job lined up after? And you know, what's going to go on? But stuff that's already apparently done. I mean, maybe they're not fully done. Who, who knows? But stuff's getting moved. Like Echo was supposed to come out on November 29th. Now it's being moved to January 2024. Agatha, which originally, previously was called Coven of Chaos. Now I guess it's called Darkhold Diaries, which I kind of like that a little bit. And I, I think it's better because you got like Dork Diaries and uh, with the Carrie Diary, whatever. There's different diaries, right? Um, so Agatha is going from winter 2023 to fall 2024. So like a year from now, which is kind of nuts. And then there's X-Men 97, which I was wondering, like, when the heck is that coming out? Because I feel like that was announced so long ago. That was supposed to come out fall 2023, and now it's being moved to early 2024. So that's not that bad, I guess, but we'll have to see. Speculation. There, there's Unfortunately, it's like it's a, a lot of rumors this week. One is a Giancarlo Esposito. He, he might be in a DCU movie. He had mentioned, um, he was at some convention, I think it was like in Brazil or something like that. And he said that he had talked with James Gunn, um, like, I think just like pre-strike, you know, he, they, they talked and he said that, you know, they talked about maybe being in a movie or something like that. But he also said that he kind of would rather play a hero instead of a villain, which is interesting because, you know, some people are like, well, maybe he's going to play Lex Luthor because, you know, what else would it be? Because that's, you know, James Gunn's going to be work, working on that. 
but if he wants to be a hero or maybe to, who knows so we'll have to see because you know he, he's he's an amazing actor uh <laughs> there was some rumor just some scooper saying she hulk season two is happening at some point <laughs> you know uh, sometimes after after the strike that that feels like it just be like a lucky guess i mean speculate i mean of course it's probably gonna happen but i don't know I'd go for a second season, and I know some people complain. It's like, oh, there's too much humor. But it's like, have you read a She-Hulk comic? Have you read, like, <laughs> whatever. So people get angry about everything. Neva Campbell is, uh, I, so I guess, I didn't even realize she was in the Lincoln Lawyer show. I, I haven't watched that. I, I don't know anything about that. And apparently she's not going to be in the third season. So some people are speculating, like, why is that? So some people are thinking, well, maybe she's going to be in Scream 7. You know, maybe they worked out some deal because there's a whole, like, pay thing where, you know, she felt like she should get more because, you know, she's been there, you know, she's from the beginning and, and you know, whatever. And, and, and I, I don't mean whatever. I meant, like, yes, you know, she should. Who, again, speculation. So, who, I mean, she, I was, I was surprised to see her in uh, Twisted Metal, you know, but she was only in, in the first episode. I don't know. I haven't watched the last couple yet so we'll, we'll see more speculation the marvels they're talking about the runtime and you know it, it i feel like people are, are trying to nitpick or trying to you know they're saying this may, may be the shortest mcu movie you know whatever it's like okay someone one of them has to be shorter but they're saying that it looks like the and i don't think this is official official but they're saying that the running time might be an hour and 38 minutes and uh but one oh man who was it someone's it's like um like i'll i'll fill or no or i'll kill or no filler you know it's just like get to the point just tell the story which is good and you know that that could be a good thing you know do i i always i always use the 90 minute as kind of like kind of like a judging point i guess because you know if a movie is a 90 minute that but that seems more like in the old days older days that seemed like if it's a comedy, it's usually an hour and a half. If it's less than an hour and a half, I'm I'm super skeptical. But the, you know, there has been some that have been been decent. And then you know, then you, but lately, you know, we we've been starting to get movies like over two hours, close to three hours. I love it. I give me a long movie. You know, get your money's worth and more to story because then it's going to be so long until we get a sequel or any anything like that. But oh, some people were like, oh, oh, 20 minutes could have been cut off because I'm a baby and I can't handle it. Blah. <laughs> or something like that so we'll, we'll see I, I i'm looking forward to this movie i know there's a lot of people that for whatever bizarre reason they're so angry at brie larson and i still think that people are angry about the whole um that she doesn't want dudes watching her movies or whatever it's like no that is not what you said it's like totally out of context she's basically saying it shouldn't just be white dudes doing interviews there should be you know people of color reporting and and yeah, I agree. Why not? It's just like anything. Why should anything just be white dudes? It's not saying you have a thing against white dudes. It's just, you know, and I say the same thing. You know, I, I talk about all these comic characters. I want the characters to look like they look. You know, we've, we've talked about that so many times. But at the same time, the characters that we get, that we have in comics now, whatever, all this in shows, it shouldn't be all, all white dudes. You know, there, there should be, you know, it's, it's diversity because that is what the world is like you look out the wind you look walk down the street in the city whatever you're not just gonna see all white dudes unless i don't know <laughs> anyways i'm looking forward to uh, the marvels i i'm 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 really excited for that if it's i i would like it to be more than an hour and a half more than an hour and 33 or an hour and 38 but at the same time if you can tell the story and if there's okay 
So we'll see. And um, see, I guess that's that's about it for news. The only other thing is it appears that How I Met Your Father is canceled after the second season. And I'm trying to remember if I talked. I think I talked about the first. Did I talk about the first season on on this show? Maybe I did. Uh, I've been. I'm not caught up with the second season, so hopefully it's not my fault. <laughs> but I didn't even realize because it felt like the second season started pretty pretty quickly. And the second season, which I I'm loving that it's more than just you know ten episodes or whatever the the first one was. So there's just a lot more because when I'm taking time to relax when I'm not watching one of the podcast shows that, you know, I have to watch every week and, you know, I have some downtime or I just want to watch something while I'm going to eat dinner, you know, which you shouldn't do that. You should eat at the kitchen table, not in front of, you know, a screen or something. I'll just bring the screen to the kitchen table. But, you know, sometimes I'll just you know, pull up an episode and it's, it, to me, it's, it's fun. It's not the best show. No, it, the second season is definitely, it's, it's an improvement from the first season. So it's, it's a bummer. Because I, I'm, you know, getting to enjoy the characters and all that, and I, I was so happy when we saw who, who, uh, the main character Hillary Duff, who her father was, not not the her kids, you know, who she marries in the future, but when we see her her father's spoiler Clark Gregg, so we get got, got Clark Gregg in, in a couple episodes, which was great. So it, it's too bad that the, the show's canceled, but. That's how it goes, I guess. And um, that's how this show is going, because that is it. Like I said, that is uh, the news for the week. As far as comic books, it seemed like it was a, a lighter week. And uh, maybe because it's, I don't know if it's a fifth week. I don't I haven't looked at a calendar, but it's, it's end of the month. You know, it's September now. So at Image Comics, we had Local Man Gold came out. And at first I was like, oh, is this a, re- is a reprint or something like that? Um, but no, it's, it's not. It's a continuation from you know the the previous local man so local man is um it's basically in kind of like the image verse you know because especially that this issue we, we get all these characters there's there's a, a lot of crossover going on here and if you look at that cover it's it r- reminds me of i'm trying to think of what the crossover was I, I feel like it was a valiant something i could be totally wrong with that but there's like this time crossover stuff going on and like so our our guy Jack, you know, he meets members of his team from the past, along with other characters like Boof and uh, um, Flame Fi- Firebrand. Is it Firebrand? Is a Phil Hester character? Um, but it's, so it's it's a it. I I, I enjoyed the story. Um, read Local Man. You know, read the first arc. It's it's good because it's it's kind of like a you know rip claws mentioned here um, or Striker is is in this issue. <laughs> There's some funny stuff with it. <laughs> like the mittens, so I'll say. But uh, local man is is good because it's like in in that like cyberverse or you know whatever universe, and um, it's it's kind of takes like a, a different route, which which is was was kind of neat. It's it's enjoyable, so I I recommend that. Okay, then there is uh, Captara Universal Truths number one. So this is by Chip Sadarsky and uh, Kagan McLeod. Um. I don't know what to th- what to, to think about this because they're they're basically t- they're saying because they're back because you demanded it yes you don't you remember when we were having drinks you said whatever happened to was it Captana Chip Sadarsky and uh, Kagan McCloud are back with a brand new story arc of their quote unquote beloved science fiction series so astronaut Keith Kanga trapped on a planet Captera is trying to find his way home but first he needs to solve a mystery. Who is stealing all the adorable cat tanks? 
Who would dare? This wild and colorful series full of heart and chuckles could be yours for the low, low price of $3.99. And then it says a new chapter in Zadarsky's charming off-the-wall space comedy. I'm trying to remember. So is, is that true? Is it? Because even, you know, they make a comment about like, oh, are, are you confused already? You should read the first volume. I don't remember, but I'm looking at the, like the one character. Uh, he does look familiar, but I don't know if it's just a stunt. Me, did it? Now I'm trying, starting to think, did I read this? I don't, I'm, now I'm starting to wonder, did I read, actually read some of the previous one and just don't remember? I don't know, but this was interesting. So, so yeah, even though I, I'm claiming I don't remember the, the first volume, you you can there's you know you the characters are already you know set they they know there's all stuff going on but you can still jump in and figure out what's going on here so it's not like in the middle of a story arc or anything like that so i i would i would recommend it you know it's it's good entertainment world tree um number five this is james tynan the fourth and i always say that you know this the series it's it's kind of a little unsettling a little disturbing there's just the stuff going on and uh, it's just the whole revelation of this naked woman that's going around is causing a lot of this death and stuff, you know, because there's this undernet and there's stuff like if you see this, then you just kind of lose your mind. You go on this killing spree or whatever, just all, all this dark stuff going on. And um, it's just it's so bizarre. And what I don't, I don't know what's going on. But we found out like what her deal is, which was kind of surprising in, in, in a way but uh yeah i don't know where this is going and um now it's starting to be like wait maybe maybe we don't real know everything that we thought we knew you know maybe there's a different angle to you know something that one of the characters has said or something so uh, i don't know it's it's a it's definitely weird but might not be for everyone, but I, I'm enjoying it. Um, at Marvel Comics, let's go Marvel. Uh, I realized, okay, I thought I meant to read this. Blade Issue 2. I, I, I enjoyed Blade, that Blade's Daughter series. The first issue of this Blade, it, it felt a little weird because there was, like, no real connection to Blade's Daughter, which is fine. You know, it doesn't have to be, like, a direct continuation. You know, she's probably off somewhere else or maybe still in school or doing something. But this, um, this series of Blade... You know, he he kind of got tricked a bit, and I, I probably I'm, I'm I'm flipping through it now. I mean, maybe I will because I, I debated with the first one. I was just like, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna read it. I I didn't read this issue, so I can't tell you anything about it. Uh, we have Cult of Carnage Misery number four. Nope. We have Death of Venom verse, which I should be reading right, but I I didn't. <laughs> Wait, as I'm looking at the cover now, No Escape. Uh, there's Kid Venom. Kid Venom, like, what is going on here? And we have Deadpool, Batter Blood. Okay, so I'm, I'll admit, with Batter Blood, I thought this was just a, so Bad Blood was like a hardcover Deadpool story by Rob Liefeld. I was assuming Batter Blood that they were just basically taking like the hardcover and splitting it into single issues to whatever. But now I'm starting to wonder, because this is the third issue, is this, I should like read a synopsis, uh, I'm wondering if this is like something different, but I, I don't know if it's like a sequel. Uh, Danny Catch Ghost Rider, number four. I didn't read that. Hulk, number three. Why can't I get a Hulk series that are like, what the heck am I looking for in a Hulk series? That is, is a, a big question. Um, I, I'm enjoying this to an extent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious where this is going. I have no idea what, what's happening here. You know, we have, uh, we, we have a Hulk, you know, He's kind of 
he's he can talk you know because like what, what type of hulk we have i know it sounds weird yeah he can talk okay but he you know he hates banners you got that and it's i'm not really sure like what is his goal like where is he going and and what's happening you know we had this girl that was that like ran away from her abusive home and you know she wanted to tag along with the hulk and hulk's like no you know she because she came across banner and he's like no it's dangerous you shouldn't be here or whatever and then there's this weird stuff happening uh, which i'm not super crazy about but this group this cult or whatever but hulk is you know he doesn't want anything to do with this girl either so you know because banner ended up turning into hulk but uh, it's um i don't know i like i said i'm, I'm curious about where this is going to go and I don't know if it's just a matter that my my I have this fondness for like the smart Hulk era, you know, the Peter David, uh, Gary Frank, um, that 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 part. I don't know, but I I what can we have for Hulk? You know, I, I think I just I I want smart Hulk, and I, I I can admit a smart Hulk. You know, that might not work for everyone. You know, how far can that go? And and that might just seem a little cliche because if you have smart Hulk, you know, that's just like oh he's he's like superman or you know he's just a, he's just a big strong guy but you know you know he's a big strong smart guy uh, i don't know I mean, who knows if i'll ever get what i what i want oh i realized i meant to read marvel age 1000 uh i don't really know i'm assuming this could be one of those kind of like hit or miss series because i'm assuming because it's 1000 it's probably gonna be like like a, a million pages um it looks like it's like an over 80 page book did I read any of this? No, I did uh, f flip through this, and um, I, there was we got some great creators, some re really good, good creators working on, on this, and nothing. I mean, because uh, you, you know, there's there's a Dan Slott and Mike Allred, Laura Allred, but it's Captain Marvel. It's like old school Captain Marvel, and that should be cool. There's this X Men, and so th there's a lot here. So it's just not necessary for me. Um, and what another thing that's not for me? I, I, <laughs> I was like, it's like, do I need to stop? Why am I like not happy with comics lately? And I don't know if it's just me. Does anyone agree with me? Are you like loving comics? Are you, is, are these awesome, or is it just you know? Is I don't know because we had a Moon Knight annual, Contest of Chaos, and I am just not enjoying these these issues. They're all the same, you know. It's you have two heroes that are going to fight each other and then, you know, something's going to happen. One of them wins and the other one doesn't. So in this Moon Knight one, he's, he's fighting up against, I don't even know, Tagukgi. So he's from South Korea, from, from Tiger Division, which I don't know anything about Tiger Division. I haven't read any of that. And at first, at first my thinking was going to be like, well, Moon Knight has to win, right? Because, you know, not everyone knows who Tiger Division is or whatever. But then it's like, well, what if they're going to mix it up? And, and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know where this is going. Um, then we had a Ms. Marvel, the new mutant. Uh, the cool thing about this is it's uh, co-written by Iman Volani, who is Ms. Marvel, who's Kamala Khan, live-action Kamala Khan. As you know, Ms. Marvel is a mutant now. Hence the title, Ms. Marvel, the New Mutant. And all the mutants are, most of the mutants are, are gone because of the, the Hellfire Gala stuff, you know, with the Orcus and you know, all that. So basically what's happening here is Kamala is going to go, like, undercover. Orcus has, like, this 
summer institute thing like on this college campus and you know she got accepted into it so she's going to kind of go and see like you know what is going on and you know so we still have like like sink and and uh talon lord the older laura, laura kinney and kate pride Shadowcat. you know they're, they're around so she's gonna go here and let's just say while she's on campus you know bruno goes with her as, as she like moves in for the summer uh, an incident happens so she's like i gotta save lives so she puts on her costume and then she's got the costume that's on the cover it's like the x-men theme you know yellow and blue it's got the x on there people start freaking out because there's a lot of anti-mutant sentiment going on especially on, on an orcas campus which is like you know they're really pushing that so a lot of people just like get angry. They're like, "Oh, Miss, you know, Ms. Marvel's a mutant now and everything." But part of me, I, w I would be like, w "Is she just wearing that in like some sort of solidarity thing? You know, is she what is what's because technically, you know, the world would think there aren't any X Men. All the X Men are gone. So now that she's coming out, it'd be like, wait, how come we never knew she was a mutant before? She was never associated with them, and then now all of a sudden she's a mutant. That doesn't make sense. You know, I, I would totally be questioning that." But there's a people that are just so angry. And she, you know, she saves a bunch of lives. She has to, like, you know, embiggen her hands, and, and there's, like, a bomb that's going to go off. So all these people are like, oh, she tried to kill us. She tried to do this. And it's like, that just seems, like, too easy. And I'm sure, you know, if something like that happened, there would be people that would react like that because, you know, people can be ignorant at times. And and I, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm overanalyzing whatever. You know, it's, it's for the sake of the story. It's driving the point where this is going to be an obstacle for her. So, yeah, obviously she shouldn't necessarily have worn the X-Men colors, you know, with, with how, how everything's going. But the same, you know, on the same other hand or whatever, she's, you know, excited. You know, she wants to embrace who she is now and, you know, her new team. And, you know, she's excited to be on the X-Men. So it's just, it's just kind of weird how, how that just went down. Whatever. Um, Spider-Man India came out. What issue is this? Issue three. I'm not reading that. Then there's like Star Wars. Uh, oh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters was a dark droids crossover. So I, I'm not sure. Wait, Jingle Fett's. What is Jingle Fett's connection to the Scourge of the Droids? Maybe I should have read that. Um, Star Wars The Mandalorian is just kind of weird because it's just adapting the series. I'm wondering, is like, are, is anyone enjoying that? It, you know, if you watch the show, do you really need to read a comic adaptation that's almost like word for word? I mean, is it adding anything? I, I'm not reading it, so I, I, I don't know. Ultimate Invasion, number three. I'm really confused with this book. Not that, like, I, I mean, there is something like, what the heck is going on type thing. But I'm, I'm kind of looking at, like, where is this going? Like, what, I'm kind of... I think part of me is like, what is what is the goal? When I we when I first heard about this, I was, I was like, oh, they're gonna somehow bring the ultimate universe back, but it's not quite the ultimate universe. I mean, there's a lot of variables going on, and you know, we do have to make her, you know, messing, doing a bunch of crazy stuff, but it's not quite the ultimate universe that we're seeing, unless it's in a different time, because you know, there's been some a time aspect that's been messed up. So there's just a lot. I mean. It, it is interesting in a way, but it's just, what is going on? And, yeah, I don't know where these characters are going. And it just feels like things are just getting, like, bigger and bigger. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's yeah, very, very weird. So, 
you probably should check it out. But yeah, I, I can't tell if I like it or not because it's like I, I not that I need to know where it's going, but it's like I'm trying to figure it out, whatever. Then there's Wolverine 36. When I saw this cover, I was like, wait, Wolverine's the, the, the heated claws are back, but not quite because this is that Weapons of Vengeance crossover with Ghost Rider. And I'm not quite feeling that crossover. So I started reading this and I'm just like, I didn't really care for this bizarre kid that is possessed by a demon or, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, over at DC, um, there's did Superboy come out this week? I, I read Superboy this week and I, I forget. I didn't check the date if it came out this week or not. Um, Superboy, the, was it? The Man of Tomorrow or whatever, the, the Connor Kent book. And... It's it's a limited series, so I I just read issue five. I'm not loving the series. You know, it is interesting. I, I do like the fact that Connor's like he's back on Earth, and there's like all these super characters. Where does he belong? You know, he there. We saw in the first issue, there's like some catastrophe. Some people, and he goes there, and but there's already someone else there. So it's it's almost like there's they don't need him. You know, it's like there's nowhere for him to go. Although you know the world is large. You know, you can. Go to Nebraska, my go-to, you know, random state that I usually mention for some reason. I've never been in, I don't think I've ever been in, through Nebraska. But it's like there's plenty of places you can go, I'm sure. But uh, the, the, this whole angle with the space thing and, and the whole nemesis, you know, this, who was his teammate and things kind of turned. And I just, I didn't care for him. And again, it's one of those things where you're not supposed to, he's not supposed to be a likable character. But yeah, there's that. And uh, speaking about like not likable characters, <laughs> so we have Night Terrors, uh, Night's End. This basically wraps up the night stuff, the nightmare stuff. And um, I w almost did an off my mind about this. I didn't because I just thought it would just be me, me being kind of negative and saying, oh, I don't like this. And, and I don't want to do that because I'm sure that's not entertaining to hear. But with this... You know, we had a villain, you know, Insomnia. I didn't really care for him so much. And I think it's kind of a weird name, but that whatever, that all the names are kind of taken, so there's not much. That's besides the point. Uh, the whole premise of the story, and, 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 you know, like what I was saying, I think I started saying it last week. The problem with, with this crossover is we had so many different tie-in books, and it kind of interrupted the flow of the regular scheduled books because you know it kind of took the place of, of a lot of the books and they were just kind of hit or miss you know some some books had the same creators and some books were just you know totally different random creative team and it's just really what it came down to it's like oh here's our hero dealing with some nightmare and then they overcome it and then they wake up so it in the, like the long term, the big pictures, it doesn't feel like it really contributes anything to the character. Are they learning anything from it? I don't know. I don't feel that. But on the you know on the kind of surface level, some of them could have been entertaining. Seeing the, a character that you like in this weird situation, or whatever. So maybe if you picked and choose and like didn't read all of them, just read the characters that you really care about, whatever. Maybe it could have been a cool crossover. But I was trying to read everything. And it's just like, it's just kind of the same thing, kind of same thing. And I just wasn't, you know, I couldn't keep, you know, it, it wasn't holding my interest. So this ends, but then it kind of leads into this other event. So there's like some, some items were recovered and it's going to leave, lead to the birth of this other character. So 
it appears that an existing character is going to be using these two items. And I won't spoil that. Uh, maybe it's already out there. And we don't know who this character is, but there's going to be a new event coming. And I think it's it's going to be geared more towards like Teen Titans. Uh, I, I totally forget what it, what it's called. And it's just like, wait, so this crossover isn't even over because all it's doing is setting up another crossover. Uh, and then if, if that was enough, then we had Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War battle lines. So um, we'll just say something happens to Batman at the end of the nightmare stuff. He's kind of take he's kind of out of commission for a bit. And then in this Batman, Catwoman, he's back and he kind of discovers that Catwoman's been busy in, in the time that, you know, when he was was had his downtime or whatever you want to call it without me spoiling it's not really a spoiler so catwoman is is basically trying to change the criminal structure in gotham because you know part of the thing is like make because you know she she's uh, is invested in the city and you know she wants to help things out but she's not gonna I mean, she's still a criminal so basically what she's doing is and i don't know if this is a spoiler but she's basically training villains or it's more so kind of like hench people henchmen henchwomen whatever to become kind of like cat burglars and the the idea is you're not going to do you're not going to go out and kill people you're not going to do you're not going to work for all these villains which is like totally crazy and risky but you're going to rob from the rich you know from the people who can afford it so you know oh go steal their jewels they got insurance it's not a big deal so it's it's a kind of more victimless crime i guess and by her doing this it's taking a lot of the hench people off the board so then when the villains are trying to do their big schemes there's not a lot of hench people in the pool so that's kind of affecting things down. so because of this as a result crime is is actually down but what is batman going to think of this this you know it's still committing crimes and you know he has like zero tolerance and then where this is going to uh, try to make things interesting, I guess, or whatever, is not all the, the Bat family is going to feel the same way about this. So you're going to kind of have some people choosing sides. So it um, it's 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 kind of a weird concept, weird idea to see, because you know why? How could Catwoman think that Batman would ever go for this? Yes, she has a point. You know, crime is down, which is what he wanted. And you know, she, they have a they have a very nice argument. With, with, you know, the way she she presents her cases is kind of you know she just jabs at him. But I don't know where this is going to go. So we'll we'll have to see. It's 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 like I said, it's just kind of weird. But she has a point. You know, it's kind of working. But no, it's like you're still committing crimes. This isn't going to work. And to throw a wrench in things, something goes pretty wrong with one of her trainee people or something like that. So I don't know. Um, there was a action comic presents the doomsday special. Uh, I wish I looked at a synopsis or solicit whatever for this. Cause I have no idea what this is about. I really don't like doomsday. You know, I can respect doomsday for the story and, you know, for the killing Superman or causing the death of Superman and that all, you know, everything that came out of that, but I don't need more doomsday in my life. And, I at first I was like, is this just like a reprint of something? But maybe it's not. I, I don't know. There is also North's Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. No, no, thank you. I'm not going to look at that. I don't need that. 
it's just yeah i don't understand why but whatever i mean i shouldn't say that because if you bought it if you're into that that's fine um there is riddler year one issue six i stopped reading that and that's really that's that's it wait catwoman uncovered number one is that a new issue i didn't read that and then Batman Nightwatch. It's, it's so hard for me to figure out like what's coming out. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, through Amazon, um, like the Kindle, whatever comiXology. that's what I guess I should be saying. And it's, yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, so that's all I read. I think, I feel like I read something else, but I guess that's it. So that's going to be comics for the week. <laughs> all right. Then with my adventures with Superman, Season 1, Episode 9, Zero Day Part 2. So it picks up from last episode. Lois and Jimmy, they meet up. There's no sign of Superman anywhere. Uh, they're like, the, you know, the planet will call them if anyone hears anything. Then she's like, is there, you know, is there anything on Flamebird? And he's like, nothing. It's like, he's disappeared off the face of the earth. And then you hear, which is why we're here. So it's Flip and the, the News Kid Legion. She's like, nobody knows the streets of Metropolis better than the News Kids Legion. Lois is like, no, Flip, it's, it's too dangerous. She's like, go home. And Flip's like... I can't. It's like, you know, we can't. You know, Superman saved me. And the idea of helping Superman like he helped me makes makes it so I don't feel so small. And then she's also like, you know, are, are, so are we doing this or what? Whatever. And then Lois gives her a hug and Flip gives her walkie-talkie. So they're going to stay in communication. We see Superman. He's in this, like, prison cell. It's 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 like kind of like a high tech gallows thing, you know. He's like locked up. There's a red light, so it's like, is it a red red sunlight? It's like, how would they know? And you know, there's there's a, the whole question, you know, how much do they know about Superman or whatever? So the you know Superman gets this big shock of electricity, and General's like, you know, he says hello, and Superman's like, where am I? Gives another zap. He's like, you're not gonna punch your way out of this one, Superman. Now I need dates and numbers. And Superman's like, what? What dates? I get zapped again. When is the evasion? How many of your kind will come through this time? And Superman's like, this time you've you've met others like me. When? And the general's like, after everything you've done to us, you dare still pretend that you're the innocent one here? Superman's like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. I've lived on Earth my whole life. General's like, stop lying. I was there on zero day, and so were you. So then the room changes like this hologram, you know, it's like whatever environment. There's this field, there's helicopters, and there's this like, big floating object. It's almost like kind of like a rival. The it was who was it? Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner? I, I forget. So there's a big floating thing, but it's like two separate. Sh- I, I can't describe it. And so it's, it's just floating there. There's army soldiers standing underneath. So Amanda Waller's there, and she says to herself, she's like, Sam, where are you? And she looks in, and here's where it's like, it's like, duh, I'm so, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't figure, figure this. So I'm like, Sam, Sam Lane. I was like, okay. And then she looks in this tent. She goes in there, and he's sitting back, like, on a sat phone. He's like, I'll be home soon, I promise. There's, like, some young guy, you know, with dark, dark hair. And, and then he's like, oh, uh, hey, Mandy. And she's like, don't Mandy me. You snuck in the command tent to make a call. It's like, what part of top secret mission did you not guess? And he's like, well, I guess based on my actions, the top secret part. And she's like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, come on, Waller. He's like, it's been three days of staring at a hole in the ground. You can't tell me this is what you imagined when we enlisted. And, and Waller's like, serving my country without question? Uh, yes, it is. And, he, and he's like, besides, this is important. So is the mission. Get your head in the game. You know, one day I'm not going to be around to pull you out of trouble. So I was like, okay, is this Sam Lane? Because how many other Sams are there? Did something happen to Sam? Is he not there? It's like, why haven't we seen him? Or have we? 
So there's this like thudding and rumbling outside. The floating thing starts to crackle with like electricity. And then there's like, cause the, the two separate shapes, whatever, there's like a red sphere in the middle and it like shoots, you know, up and expands into this portal. It's almost, almost in the shape of like the Superman emblem, like the pentagram, whatever. So then, so there's a big portal, huge armada ships. It, it shoots out like robots, you know, they start firing on them, smashing tanks, and they're shooting like laser beams. Amanda actually gets like hit in the, in the, in the shoulder. There's this floating guy like in armor, and he, he kind of has like almost like a pentagram thing on his chest. He's about to fire, and then something happens. Just like the connection is cut off, and he falls. Robots fall. The, the big ship thing falls, and then uh, the the general changes the, the room back to the cell. He's like, every moment I've spent every moment of the past 22 years seeing this when I close my eyes, putting everything aside, sacrificing everything in order to prepare Earth for your return. So now I'm like, wait, so then what happened to Sam? Did, did Sam get killed in this? Because I was like, wait, this how long ago was this? Would Didn't Lois go on wilderness survival things? When did her dad die if, if he's not around? But I was going to, <laughs> but I wasn't going to let us get taken by surprise again. I created Task Force X. <laughs> Did I say that right? Task Force X. I can never. It doesn't sound right when I say it. I took the tech you left behind and turned your weapons into ours. I made the hard calls so that when your people came back to finish what they started, we would be ready. And then you showed up, showed up passing yourself off as a hero when we both know what you are—a weapon. So you're going to tell me everything you know. Who are you? Why are you on Earth? And Superman's like, I, I don't know. I always thought that. And he's like kind of crying softly. He's like, why, why would they do this? And in general, kind of looks a little surprised. So if, if you put two and two together, just, just hold on. We'll get to it in just a second. So on the docks, Jimmy reports Superman's not there. Flip responds that they haven't found anything in like Baker Line or around the bay. Lois um, just, just goes and sits at the end of this little pier. And Jimmy asks if she's okay. And she's like, no, Jimmy. She's like, I said awful things to Clark. I doubted him when he needed us most. I was wrong. And now he's gone. And, and Jimmy's like, and we are going to find him. And we hear Ivo yelling in his cell you know, in, at the prison. He's like, no, you can't do this to me. You promised me Superman. He took everything from me. And I'm not finished with him. But it's just like, you know, you were, were just crazy and kidnapping people and whatever. The others are like sitting in their cell and they're like listening to him ranting, whatever. And he's like, I don't want to cage him. I want him to suffer. And Shaban, Shaban, she's like, shut up. Livewire, she kind of does something. She noticed her powers might kind of be working. And then it's like, wait, did the camera detect her? And Amanda Waller's like by a, by a monitor. It's like, did she see it? It's because then Waller's like, Superman's power levels remain suppressed throughout your interrogation. So maybe she wasn't, you know, she's looking at others, something else. It's like the parasite collar and the Cadmus Omega field are working in conjunction, conjunction perfectly seems Ivil is up to his hype. Too bad he's going insane. Still, we can get some more use out of him before he, co he completely loses it. And General's like, we've spent so much time guessing about why Nemesis Omega attacked, and when it seems like we finally have the answers in our grasp, what if we were wrong? And she's like, tamp that, talk down now. Task Force X doesn't make mistakes. General's like, if his people age like us, He's too young to have been part of Zero Day if he's innocent. And she's like, innocent? And what were our friends who were slaughtered guilty of? So it's like, was Sam slaughtered then? We, the only survivors, haven't made a mistake. Superman is an invader. And if he's compromised your commitment, then it's time to get rid of him. 
General's like, we need information more than revenge. The only information we need is how to take his kind down. Get your head in the game. So at this point, this is where I was like, okay, I think I get it now. I know who the general is. The general has got to be Sam, right? Because the thing is, Sam... I mean, I'm, I'm horrible with it, but Sam kind of looks like he could be, you know, like a Asian. And Lois, it's hard to tell, like, you know, what's her ethnicity. So could it be that the general is actually Lois's dad? Because, you know, General Sam Lane, he's always been a general. They've never referred to him as his name. So my first thought was when she's like, where's Sam? I was like, that's got to be Sam, Sam Lane. And, you know, then she sees him. And, you know, because we see a younger version of him. He has dark hair, but he doesn't, you know, have the little wispy mustache or whatever that the general has. So I was just like, oh, he's just someone else. So someone must have, something must have happened to him, which is why Amanda's so mad. But then it's like, we didn't see the general in the past, but we probably did. And maybe you figured this out already, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case there's no confirmation in this episode but maybe at the end lois will be like dad and he'll be like lois but he must know that lois is you know reporting on her or trying to or whatever so amanda's like if you can't do it then we'll turn him over to ivo and general's like no and she's like are you having doubts because of something real or is it because superman reminds you of her so it's like who is the her that is it his daughter not, not clear about that because then he's like think hard about what you say next so maybe it's his wife did something happen to his wife was his wife there too no that wouldn't make sense i don't know so he's like think hard about what you say next and she's like i am and if you can't make the right call then you're not the man i followed for the last 22 years he's like we're keeping superman alive for questioning it's my call not yours dismissed and she kind of frowns and she's like hmm and then she, as she like heads out, she clicks this button on a, on a computer console, whatever. And then Livewire's camera turns off. It just goes, and it kind of droops down. So it's like she did see Livewire's power working. So Livewire notices the camera's off, and she kind of chuckles. She starts powering up. She pulls out her collar. She's like, ah! She starts screaming because it's like painful, but she gets it off. Then Ivo hears this, the screaming goes, going on. Then his door opens, and she's like, hey, you still want to take down Superman? And he laughs maliciously because he's just so evil. And so now he's in his full parasite suit. He busts down his door. Soldiers start shooting and he smashes. You know. So it's like some soldiers probably got hurt thanks to Amanda. It's like, good job. So he smashes his hole in Superman's cell. He's like, rematch time, Superman. No more constraints. No more collars. Just you and me and the beatdown of the century, buddy. But Superman still has his collar on. So it's like, what are you talking about? Let's see what the Man of Steel's got. And like softly, Superman's like, I don't want to hurt you. And I was like, hurt me? The only reason you won last time is because you cheated. It's like, how did he cheat? It's like, no, you're in a fight. It's like your ability against his. He's like, you don't hurt me. I hurt you. He punches him out of his cell and out of his constraints. So it's like, oh, good job. Thanks. <laughs> you know, Superman should be thanking him. But the collar's still around his neck. So now the general just he finds out you know he he knows what's going on he calls Wilson and Waller he's like code orange and like the security cameras are like starting to short out so Parasite pounds Superman like on the chest and his collar breaks off he's like if you're trying to trick me like last time it's not gonna work I don't need your power he like reaches into wall like pulls out some cables 
And he's like, there's power everywhere. He's like, what do you say now, cheater? And Superman's just like lying there with his eyes closed. I won't fight you, Ivo. I don't. I never wanted to fight anyone. I only wanted to help. Well, then, I guess you're just going to die. The General uh, Wilson and uh, the soldiers, they, they run out. He's like, Ivo, stand down now. And Ivo's like, no, he's mine. He slams his tail into the ceiling and to get like more power. Some like glass or whatever shards that like flies at them. Parasite, he's like now he's like grown, growing, which is, how's his mass changing? That doesn't make sense, but whatever. Physics, <laughs> who cares? The so general's about to order them to open fire, but then this door explodes open, and the other five are there. So Livewire is like, yeah, I don't think so. Shaban screams, knocks him down. Wilson gets on his feet, starts running at them. Soldiers start shooting. Roughhouse rips a piece of wall off, you know, uses it as a shield. Livewire starts like zapping, shooting, whatever. Wilson starts swinging his blades at her, but he misses and jams them both into wall. It's like, okay, you suck. <laughs> that's like, that's not the, the Slade Wilson we know. Then she sidesteps and what? She zaps him in the head. Superman's still lying in the crater where Ivo slammed him. His powers are like coming back because now he's hearing Lois in the distance calling, Clark, where are you? So he finally opens his eyes. He gets his knees, gives a little growl. Then Ivo turns around and roars. And Superman just flies out of the hole in the ceiling. <laughs> Livewire sees like more soldiers coming, so she zaps Ivo to give him more energy. He grows bigger, and then the place starts caving in. So the soldiers, they're like, okay, forget it. We're out of here. They, they start retreating. But then it's like, wait, was the whole base like underground? Because then we see Superman like come out of a manhole in an alley. So just, just as Flip is riding by. So it's like perfect timing. She calls out to him. He tells her like, it's not safe. He's like, leave me. And then she, she calls everyone. And you know, on the radio, she, that, you know, she says that she's got him. And she's like, meet us back at the News Kid Clubhouse. So later, Lois and Jimmy enter you know, this like little, little shack. And Superman is just sitting there. And Lois is like, Clark? And Jimmy's like, are you okay, Clark? And Superman's like, Lois, remember when you asked me who I was, why I'm here? I finally have an answer for you. I'm a weapon. I'm an alien invader sent to kill you all. But the thing is, we don't know that they were Kryptonians. I mean, maybe they were. I don't, they didn't look Kryptonian to me. And you know, the, the floating guy was in armor. What happened to him? Because he was still there. But whatever. And you know, Jimmy's like, no, you would never hurt anyone. You help people. And Clark's like, I saw it, Jimmy. The day my people sent me here to invade Earth, I saw my spaceship come through with an armada. Maybe they were the same ones? I don't know. He's like, and it makes sense. Why else would I be able to shoot fire from my eyes to rip steel apart? I'm made for destruction. The Earth's better off without me. Lois rushes up to him. She's like, no, I won't accept that. You're not a weapon. You're a person. Then there's like big rumbling outside. So Parasite Ivo busts through the ground like in a park. And he, he kind of looks like, like a God, Godzilla now or like some big dinosaur. It's like, wait, why is he morphing like that? People in the city start screaming, whatever. He smashes into like a building to grab more energy. He's like, Superman, come out, come out wherever you are or I'll make you come out. And he starts laughing wickedly. It's like, you are so evil. How do you not see that? So watching, you know, Superman, he's like, this is all my fault. My people brought these weapons here. I'm the only one who can stop him. Lois reach out, like grabs his hand. She's like, Clark, you can't beat him in your condition. And he's just getting stronger with every building he drains. And people are getting hurt, Lois. I, I have to try. Ivo smashing into several buildings. Now he's growing even bigger. He heads to like some power lines. Then Superman calls out to him. And Ivo's like, took you long enough. 
And Siren starts to say, to do to him what he wants, but leave the people of Metropolis out, slams him. He's like, how about no? He slams a hand down to Superman, but then Superman lifts it like off him. He's like, what? And he roars, and Ivo's like, more power. Superman starts flying around using heat vision. He starts chopping off these like tendrils and the, you know from coming from uh, from Ivo from Parasite, and he he gets grabbed and slammed into a building. Ivo's now draining like Superman's power, and he's stupidly laughing more. And then he tosses Superman down. So it's like, wait, is he dead? Obviously not. Lois and Jimmy are watching. Lois is like, no, 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 no. She's like, we have to help. She's like, how do we help? Jimmy takes out his phone. He's like, uh, he, he looks at his, his screen. It says like, Flamebird has 5 million active users and options to go live, post video, view profile. He's like, I have an idea. Starts a live video. Hi, bird watchers. You know me as Flamebird. And the comments are like freaking out. They're like, face reveal. Lamara04, she's like, hi. Cat Grant DePolt says, like, oh, he's cute. So Jimmy's like, my real name is Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best friend. And Lois is like, and I'm Lois Lane, Superman's, and her cheeks go red, uh, a reporter for the Daily Planet. Metropolis is under attack. Superman is out there right now defending us, but he can't do it on his own. When I first met Superman, I didn't know how to feel. He was stronger than us, faster, more powerful, and every single day he went out there and used that power to help us. People have told you to fear Superman because he's different from us. And we see like uh, all these people watching, like Perry's watching, and then Lois is like, but we humans are capable of causing hurt and pain too because of greed, because we want to punish those who don't look or act like us. And we see Alex is watching, because you know he he's mad and everything and Lois like because of fear be, but we also are capable of greatness it's what we choose to do that matters superman made his choice it's our turn metropolis then jimmy's like so please turn off your power shut off your buildings breakers your generators do anything you can to starve parasite of energy Lois like superman has saved the city over and over again it's time for us to save superman and superman can hear all this so he gets up Ivo screams, you lose. He's about to slam his fist, go, you know, slam his fist down, but then the buildings start going dark. And Superman can hear, come on, Superman, turn off the lights. We have to help. Superman. And some, mom, I'm scared. <laughs> Superman will save us. <laughs> then Parasite immediately starts shrinking. It's like, holy crap. Maybe it's just keep being that big is just a constant demand of power. So he starts shrink, shrinking down. Tendrils start to evaporate. I don't understand how that technology works. Superman flies up to him, and Ivo's like, what'd you do? You did something. You cheated again. It's like, you are such a baby. He throws a fist, but Superman stops it. He catches it, and he, Ivo swings his other giant fist. Superman stops that. He's like, Dr. Ivo, I know you're in there. Please stand down. I won't let you hurt the people of the city or anyone ever again. You aren't a hero here. You, you're not even human. You turned me into a monster. And Superman's like, you chose to be a monster, Ivo. Then what does that make an alien freak like you? So he flies up and his eyes start glowing blue. I don't get what this blue power is, whatever. He's like, don't you read the paper? And then whoosh, flies through Parasite. It's like, wait, did he just impale him or whatever? But then he flew through him, pulled out Ivo. So I think he was using x-ray vision. So I think that's what the blue is. And he's like, I'm Superman. So Ivo starts crying softly and Parasite suit goes dark and people start cheering. Superman's hovering over city, taking in this, like the sun. Then he zooms off, flies to the planet where Lois and Jimmy are. Jimmy tackles him, knocks him. He's like, I'm never letting you go. And he's like holding on to him. But then he sees Lois. So he's like, oh, so he gets up, gives them a moment. And Superman's like, I heard everything you said, Lois. And she's like, I, I know. I, I meant every word. The world is better with you in it. 
My world is better with you in it. Superman blushes. She hugs him. So don't ever worry me like that again, Smallville. I don't really like... I get why she's calling him Smallville because that's the whole thing. But it just... It doesn't feel natural in the progression of this series. Like, you know, she finds out, oh, he lives on a farm. And she... But it just... uh, Whatever. She's like, I love you, N. And then he zips to her, starts smooching, floating up. I love you too. But this is stuff that always bothers me. There's all these buildings around. No one is looking out the window. They're like, oh, hey, there's Superman. Wait, what? Superman's floating, kissing someone? Where's my binoculars? Where's... Not that people happen to have binoculars around, I guess. I don't know. Jimmy decides to head down. He grabs Lois's bag. And then, like, on the stairs, a green light starts shining. It's the file X orb. So it's like, is Jimmy going to see it? We don't see anything in this episode. Then we see the general walks in his room. Amanda's like sitting behind a desk. Wilson's standing next to her. And she's like, we need to talk, general, about Superman. And he's like, we? There is no we here. It was my call what to do with him. And it's still my call. And she's like, not anymore. Our superiors have been displeased at your failure to take lethal action against the invader. And he's like, at the cost of civilian lives? And what do you call what happened today? Um, this was all you, Amanda. You let Livewire out and the other ones. You caused all this. So she like snaps and then images of like Ivo attacking the city come on the screen. As of now, I am authorized by Checkmate and the government in the United States of America to relieve you of your duties. You are no longer the head of Task Force X. I am. Oh, and General, from now on, we're taking a different track in regards to Superman. And she puts this pistol on the table. It's like some fancy gun. Ivo's last invention, the Omega Cannon. It should weaken the alien enough for you to carry out your new mission. Track down and terminate Superman. And that's the end of the episode. So, um, I mean, it, it's, I mean, typical Amanda, I guess. She manipulated things. She, she caused this whole kerfluffle. I mean, this is all on her. And she caused this happen... And now she's got a promotion. So it's it's a little shady, a little sneaky. But again, it's typical for Amanda, I guess. And at least the general is not completely like booted out or in trouble. But now he's supposed to kill Superman. It's like, okay. And the other thing that's just crazy is like, oh, we have this alien invasion. Here's an alien. So he must be evil. But it's like, no. How many, if there's aliens out there, how many countless species of aliens out there? Does that mean every single species of alien is, is, is evil? It's just saying, it's like, oh, we have one evil human, so that means all humans are evil? No, it doesn't work that way, but whatever. So that was uh, episode nine. One more episode left, and then hopefully we get a second season. I forget, I think they, there was, it was said there was a second season, and then, you know, hopefully it won't take too long, because uh, Max seems to be, or, you know, HBO Max, or whatever, seemed to be pretty good at getting this, you know, new seasons coming out, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging the show. Uh, and I've said this before, it, it feels like things have progressed quickly, but that's fine because with these type of shows, you know, you never know like how many seasons, you know, maybe we'll only get two seasons, maybe we'll only get three or four. So, you know, why waste time with the buildup and just, you know, try to get, you know, as much story out as you can. I, I guess you have to do that. So, so it, it's, it's good. Okay. Then we have Harley Quinn season four, episode seven, the most culturally impactful film franchise of all time. I can't say that I'm... I'm I'm okay with this season. I I don't know. I mean, I I don't feel like I'm loving it as much as I used. And I I guess I've never been like necessarily the biggest fan. 
because you know I, I feel like sometimes it relies too much on the crude humor there is something to say about it you know it is it is you know refreshing in a way something a little different it's not like so crisp and clean and you know pr whatever pristine it's, it's nice to be able to just cut loose a little bit but sometimes it's like it just does that at the expense of really I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes they rely too much on, oh, we can swear, we can be absurd, we can throw in sex jokes or or just violent death and bloody stuff. It, whatever, you get the idea. So, because <laughs> like the opening scene, it starts off Jim Jim Gordon's like trimming his nose hairs, or either his nose hairs or his mustache. He's like in a security room. Harley barges in and then like startles him. So then he's like cuts him. He's like bleeding from his nose. And then it's just like ah whatever. And you know he's just, all his blood's there. So she's like, I was here last night for a white Nightwing's dead party. And she's like, and I saw another Harley. I gotta know if I'm losing my fudging mind. So can you please check the security cameras now? You know because she's always yelling. And he's like, you know, I thought I saw my doppelganger once but it was just a plate or of carne asada and nachos atop a trash can. Uh, and and I, I get that, you know, Jim Gordon's supposed to be this big loser, but it's like sometimes it's it's too much. It's like, all right, whatever. So he shows a couple seconds out of, of the party, and then there's some of, like, one of the baby sharks, like, grabbing his gun, and then it, like, a whole, points a gun at the camera and shoots. And he, then that was it. He's like, oh, she's like, that what, what? That's it? He's like, well, I got some bathroom stuff and some makeout stuff. But he's like, I kind of taped over the rest. So she curses. She's like, you're so fudging worthless. And she like grabs his shirt and she screams, I need to know what's happening to me. Gordon is like, do, you, do I seem insane to you? And he's like, uh, no, you seem good. And she like shoves him down. So Ivy is like staring at a board, you know, with, with her mentees. She says, obviously, she's been owning the game lately. And Tara actually agrees. And Ivy's like, but we don't want to have owned it. We want to always be present tense owning it, right? A volcanic, volcana. She's like, A-B-O-I, always be owning it. And and Ivy's like, no, 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 no. She's like, that sounds like B-O in the middle. It's like, not everything needs to be, be a thing. Anyways, the Legion of Superheroes time sphere is being moved to the Smithsonian at 3 p.m. And we're going to hijack it. So then the three talk about, you know, what they could do with it and everything like that. And she's like, okay, guys, we're not going to actually use the time sphere. I just want it because it's going to look really cute on my wall. And Nora walks in. She's like, everyone, shut up. I have news. I'm starving. What are we doing for lunch? So this here's the other thing. You know, Nora, she can be funny sometimes, but it's like something like this is like, okay, really? Come on. So she she tells, um, and she tells Volcano, she's like, don't say that you're fine with anything again. She's like, I'd rather have a bad decision like all the one Tefe gives. He's like, hey. And she's like, okay, screw you. I'm ordering euros. He's like, oh, and they, they moved the time sphere transfer to like uh, right now. So then Ivy's like, oh, spit. He's like, we got to go. And so they run out, and Nora's like, wait, I'm not paying the delivery fee myself. Because she's just selfish and just cares about herself. And she's like one of the worst persons. I mean, there's so many bad people here. At the Batcave, Harley goes up to Batgirl at the computer, and she's got big headphones on. She's like, I need to have a very one-sided conversation about my mental state, so could you? And Batgirl, you know, she doesn't hear her, so Ivy gets her attention. She's like, I just want to talk about last night. And... Barbara's, you know, she's like, weird, you didn't bring this up two hours ago when you brought me half an egg sandwich. And Harley's like, I did? I don't remember doing that or eating half of an egg sandwich. So it's like, and then I'm like, wait, so is there a clone? Is that why there is a blonde hair on Jim's potato when he was in the, the kitchenette in the Legion of Doom when he thought it was a microwave and the potato was cold? But then if so, how would it get there? Did someone take the hair and make the clone? So it's like, 
I don't know. I, I'm just thinking here. So Harley's like, oh, my God, I'm really losing it. And Barbara's like, okay, I guess there's nothing to talk about. I had a nice cold shower, and I'm totally good now. And Harley's like, well, okay, but I'm not totally okay. Batgirl's like, I don't think Joker murdered Nightwing. And Harley's like, what? She's like, it doesn't add up. If Joker really did it, why would he wait an entire day to tell everyone? And Harley's like, oh, my God, you're right. He is the worst at keeping secrets. So Batgirl's like, we got to prove Joker's lying or no one will believe us when we find an actual murderer. See, I think Harley did it. I thought Harley did it during sleepwalking, but maybe it's a clone of Harley that did it. I don't know. Because, you know, she did see another Harley at the party. And so then she finally notices Harley. She's like, you look like doo-doo. And Harley's like, right. That's kind of what I was hoping to talk to you about. So Babs backs away and she's like, sorry. She's like, but I can't be the friend you need right now. She's like, I owe it to Nightwing to find a real killer. And she, she's like, can't you talk to Ivy about this? And Ivy starts going on how she's tried, but she's busy and she doesn't want to bother her. But Babs puts her headphones on and like dismisses her saying, and she's like, thanks, you're awesome. And she goes back to the computer. So then we see Joker. He's playing poker with uh, Gorilla Grodd, Dr. Psycho, Killer Croc, and Metallo at his like his suburban house. Psycho wants him on his podcast because he makes some philosophical line about being a villain and always being a villain or whatever. Then he gets a call. It's James Corden. He wants him to do like some street singing something or whatever like that. And Joker's like, the, the little poop is trying to leech off my comeback. So then when they lay their cards down, they're obviously all cheating. There's like 12 aces on there. And, you know, Joker has like five jokers, whatever. And he's like, it's good to be back, boys. House always wins. He takes all the money. But there's even like a, there's a, a flash ring. Um, what else was there? There's like some jewels. I think there, I thought there was like something else. I don't remember. Uh, so Batgirl's looking over surveillance footage and then she's like following Joker like from like all over the city and she sees him go into this building. She's like, I knew it. Harley goes to Legion of Doom and then she's like, she's like, kind of surprised because she sees Nora wearing a red wig and Nora's like, oh, the IRS is coming this week and I'm trying to throw them off. She's <laughs> she's eating a gyro. So I guess she finally got her gyros with her. And she says that Ivy left and she's like, she had a hard out at a quarter two. And, you know, Harley's like, quarter to what? And like, three or four? And she's like, that's that's classified or whatever. So Nora tries giving her. She's like, well, you know, I can schedule an appointment. You know, I can give you a 4 a.m. hallway appointment time. And Harley's like, well, I don't want to talk to her at 4 a.m., whatever. She's like, well, it, it's just it got booked anyways. So then she's like, well, I could give you a 5 a.m., whatever. And, and she's like, but she has a heart out at, a, at 5.15. And Harley jumps on a desk. She's like, I need to know where Ivy is. So Ivy's with her mentees, they're, they're robbing the, the time sphere transfer thing because they were like on this truck. Harley's still yelling and, and then she like staples Nora's hair to a desk, whatever. Then she sees an explosion out the window. So like Superman and Wonder, Wonder Woman are flying after Ivy. Superman, like his heat vision zaps the vines that Ivy's using to control a truck driver. Tefe uses his powers or something like that. And then uh, like on a driver, Ivy grabs a, this family in a crosswalk with the vines, like tosses them up for Superman to go fetch them. And she's like, no one gets in the way of me owning the game. Then Harley jumps down somehow. She got there. She jumps down on top of the truck. And Ivy's like, Harley, what are you doing here? I'm working right now. She's like, I know, listen, but I tried to make an appointment, but all you had to open was, you know, five in the morning next Tuesday. And, you know, Wonder Woman comes down and Ivy like wraps her in vines and Harley like grabs her lasso and Ivy like tosses her to the side. So 
Ivy's like, did Nora say I had a heart out at 5.15? And Harley puts the lasso around Ivy. She's like, listen, I need to talk to you. She's like, Harley, come on. She's like, kind of groans. She's like, oh, man. She's like, people don't just show up at their partner's work like this. Wonder Woman grabs the lasso and, like, Ivy, you know, pulls it from Ivy. She kind of spins and falls. And Wonder Woman's like, yeah, Harley, imagine if the Supreme Court justice got drenched on the bench, which I didn't, I didn't get what that meant. So Ivy's like, smacks um, Wonder Woman with the vine. And Harley's like, I would not have come if it wasn't super important. And Ivy's like, can't we just talk about this later? She's like, I don't think we can. She pulls out and extends like a bat, bat. It's like a bat, bat, bat baseball bat. And, and Ivy's like, are you trying to st stop me from stealing the time sphere? And she's like, geez, is there a time ball in this truck? And Ivy's like, yes, I'm a big deal supervillain. And sometimes I steal time spheres. And then a volcano's like, ABST, always be stealing. And she's like, enough with the fudging acronyms. And then to Harley, she's like, baby, I'm doing all of this because I'm building something. So when we're like six years old and still hot, we can sip wine in our chateau and have plenty of time to talk. She's like, fine, if you won't make time for me now, I'll go find six-year-old Ivy and talk to her. And she's like, wait, what? Harley knocks Tepe out of the way, punches a driver, takes over the truck, makes it tip. The time sphere like rolls out the back. She enters and Ivy's like, Harley, what are you doing? And to her mentees, she's like, she has no state to be messing with the time space continuum. Harley's now like pounding on the controls. And she's like, um, and Ivy's like BRB. And, and Volcano's like, her acronyms are always so much cooler. So then like inside, she's like, hey, baby, look at me. You do not know how to operate a fudging time sphere. And Harley's like, it's intuitive. And she's like, what? And she kind of scoffs, hits several buttons, and then the door closes and the sphere disappears. So they get slammed around this thing. And then exiting, everything's like run down. And Ivy's like, what year did you take us to? And Harley's like, hmm, interesting. It may not have been as intuitive as I thought, which honestly is on a time sphere. So Ivy's like, Harley, what are you, where, where are you going? We got to get back to our time, okay? She's like, oh, what? Sorry, do you have a heart out? She's like, no, I don't. I, at least I don't think I do. Let me check. And she's like, you know what? There's no service. Ugh, we shouldn't be here. She's like, this looks like an apocalypse. And she's like, well, guess what? There's an apocalypse happening in my brain. She keeps yelling while Ivy tries like shushing her since they don't know, you know, what's going on around there. And then some like flying drone things come and they're like intruder detective. They start shooting like lasers at them. So they try running back to the time sphere, but there's like an explosion, like, an, you know, they shot the shoot right in front. So they have to kind of run around it. Some people start coming out of the, the sewers and grabbing them. You know, are they friend or foe? Because they grab like a big hunk of metal, like bash this guy in the head and like, must have killed him. They start, um, you know, they're, they're fighting him off, but then they get dragged down. Meanwhile, the drones, you know, group of them pick up the time sphere and carry it off. So they're inside this place now, and one of the ladies tells her that they only had two men left, and their dumbasses had to murder the hot one. So there's like a talking shark there. He says that his daddy spoke highly of them. And Ivy's like, "Do I know you?" And you know, he like then he threatens him with like ten seconds to explain himself. So she explains that she must have set the the, the sphere for like three thousand years into the future they laugh they're like it's 2048 you know they're like it's it's 2048 but they all mess up and you know one's like you know yesterday i wrote 2047 on a check so harley's excited to see that she got the year right and she's like you know where's future me and future ivy and you know she like runs through like owning like bed and breakfast scenarios and stuff like that and this lady's like sorry to burst your bubble but you two are d-e-a-d -E dead so the shark says that they're pretty much looking at what's left of humanity and shark 
humanity or something like that. And then the, the last dude says that the year is 2024. And he's like, the world went dark. Crops died and the soil was toxic. Global economies collapsed. Gotham became a police state ruled by the last remaining member of the Bat family, Robin. And a, yet a small resistance movement has managed to survive underground, led by our general, said to be the chosen one, who will lead us to a victory over Robin's drone army. So it's a, this guy used to be like, do like voiceovers or something like that. So we see someone with a cloak and like a red glowing eye or something like that. And they're sort of, Ivy's like, uh, so sorry for killing the hot guy, but all we really want to do is get back to the time sphere. So the, the cloak person in like in a female voice, is like, oh, we'll help you get to the time sphere and you'll help the resistance take down Robin once and for all. Harley's like, um, why? And the cloak person's like, because you're my mom's. She takes off the cloak. She has like Harley's kind of hairstyle, like ponytails, but she has green skin. Both of them are surprised. Harley's like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. Wait, do we breastfeed you? Who did it? Who's the sperm donor? I hate that I'm meeting you all tied up and emotionally at rock bottom. Are you crazy like me or vegan like Ivy? And then screaming, she's like, what did we name you? And she's like, Neytiri. Harley and Ivy both laugh. Ivy's like, like the blue chick from Avatar? And Harley's like, you know, for five years, I thought I dreamed that movie because I was so high when we watched it. Everyone's looking at him kind of angry. The shark's like, the Avatar film franchise is widely considered the greatest story ever told. And Neytiri's like, it's nearly impossible to quantify its impact on our culture. And this other's like, I see you, General Neytiri. And then she's like, I see you. And quietly to Ivy, Harley's like, there's no way we named her that. So in the present, we see Joker on, on Dr. Psycho's podcast. He's like, and that's when I realized my crowbar wasn't going to be enough. So I took out my knife and I began peeling his silky skin from his perfect bone structure. And Psycho's like, how does this end? He's like, with me on a short list for a keynote speaker at next year's Malcon. It's between me and Amy Schumer. And Psycho's like, oh, you're so arrogant. He's like, I meant with Nightwing. He's like, oh, you know. He's like, please and tears for help. And then... Um, He's looking at the questions in the comments, you know, people listening. He's like, Bradley in San Diego wants to know what were Nightwing's last words. And then the screen on the, on the wall kind of flickers. It's obviously Batgirl's shadow. It's like, you know, distorted voice, like, Joker, Gotham deserves the truth. And he's like, Batgirl, is that you? He's like, no, this is uh, Adam Justice. Doesn't matter. Roll the clip. So there's footage of Joker at, at the doctor's like with a bunch of cables and stuff like that. The show said on the night in question, Joker was getting tested for sleep apnea and thus could not have killed Nightwing. Madam Justice out. And Joker's like, oh, come on. You aren't buying this, right? That's obviously a deep fake. So the comments are, are pretty harsh against Joker. You know, Joker insists he killed Nightwing. And Psycho's like, you're over, Joker. He's like, there's no coming back from this. He giggles and Joker just like walks out. So Neytiri is making plans to enter Robin's sub-basement or something like that. But it's weird. It's like, oh, through a sub-basement where a recon team found a weakness, Ivy mentions to Harley that their kid is the leader of the free world. And, you know, Harley's like recording her on the phone. They're so proud. They're in awe. Then lady, later, Neytiri, like, seems like she's kind of sad or something like that. She asks if she can get a hug. And Harley takes a, a selfie of them. So outside Wayne Tech, they're like in these big mech suits. They start like climbing up. Like, they, you know, you shoot up like a, like a cable and then start climbing outside the building. Um, Harley and Ivy's cables both get cut because uh, drones come out and start start flying at them. Um, the shark, I guess they call him King Baby, <laughs> jumps down and, like, catches them. So it makes some comment or something. You know, stops them from falling. It says something about, like, turning your back on people or not knowing who to trust or something. It was, like, some weird cryptic comment. So they come up to Robin's lair. Uh, you know, he, it's like he's fighting some resistance group in Bloodhaven by remote. I don't know if he's actually doing it, if he's playing a video game. He's sitting in his chair. 
he's balding he has his robin costume but it does, doesn't even cover his like kind of like little little pot belly and then uh he has a robot alfred that tells him he has visitors so robin says to Nate Terry, he's like oh you're early then cables under mex cooper are like yanked uh harley and ivy they come tumbling out of the suits robin's like welcome to robin's nest not only am i the architect and engineer of this awesome dystopian society i'm also a collector and now you and ivy will be the newest additions to my menagerie Ivy and Harley gasp as they see sort of there's this big room they have like he has like Joker Flash Bane Kite Man Superman all these other I don't know if they're like frozen or like in these kind of little separate like things like pods or something one of the resistance ladies like oh that looks unpleasant Harley like curses at Robin she's like I used to check your Halloween candy for anthrax then Nate is like all right Robin I held up my end of the bargain now hand it over so Robo Alfred hands her a sack and Ivy's like, you sold us out? And Harley's like, for a bag of fudging dirt? So Nate Terry's like, we call it unobtainium, mother. And Ivy's like, oh, fudge off. Then Nate Terry's like, R.I.P., moms. At least I finally got something out of all this. So they're like, how dare you? We're cool, moms. You know, we deserve answers. And she's, Nate Terry's like, you don't deserve spit. It's like, there's no such thing as a cool mom. My God, you guys are so self-obsessed. Harley asks, you know, what are you complaining about? She's like, you know, you turned out okay. And she's like, yeah, thanks to Cheryl who raised me. So I said, set that, that lady resistance person. And Nate Terry's like, you two always pretend everything's fine, even when you don't agree. Like the first day of kindergarten, I still didn't have a name. I had to pick one out myself. And Harley's like, ha ha. She's like, I knew we didn't pick that stupid name. And she's like, my fudging name rules. So Harley says, it, it sucks. She's changing it to Lady Princess Fingers or something. And Ivy and Harley start arguing. And then Robin tells them to stop yelling because it stretches their faces during freezing. So they're, they're placed in a tube. And Ivy says, she's like, I don't want to die in a fight. And Harley's like, we're not fighting. She, and she's like, I love you. And Ivy's like, I love you too. Then Harley says that you know she hasn't told her everything. She says she's losing her mind. Ivy's like, you're always losing your mind. And Harley's like, yeah, but this time it's different. You know, She's been sleepwalking, hallucinating. She had an out-of-body experience. She saw another one of her. And Ivy's like, well, why didn't you just tell me? She's like, I tried, but I kept getting talk blocked by your assistant. Then a couple of drones um, by them fall. King Baby tore out some cables from a giant computer. Like all electronics stopped working. Like uh, Robin's in this kind of like electronic like chair, float, floating chair. He like falls over. So they escape. Um, Harley throws a, a drone at Neytiri. She drops her bag and the dirt like goes a strain. Robin's like, it's going to clog my pee pee drain. And Natir yells, she's like, Ugh, you're ruining my life. You guys fudge everything up. They, they start fighting. Ivy's like, you're grounded. It's like, you don't even you know, know us. And King Baby, like, fix the time sphere or something like that. So it's like, they have to go back. And you know, like, you probably should stop Lux from destroying the planet. And they're like, wait, what? They head back. They comment how that was weird and fun. Harley says that you know, she's glad Ivy jumped in after her. Ivy says that you know, she doesn't know how to fix all her problems, but they're better together. And Harley's like, and whatever caused apocalypse, we'll see it coming a mile away. Sphere opens up. It kind of it looks pretty bad out there. There's like people fighting and it's just things are run down. And Ivy's like, wait, are we back? And Harley's like, we are. And she's like, wait, did we leave on the 21st or the 27th? She's like, what the fudge is this font? Because the one and the seven look, you know, the one has a little like thing at the top, like sticking out. And it almost looks like it's kind of long, almost looks like a seven. They're very similar. So she's like, we're six days in the future. And Ivy's or Harley's like, they made it too fancy. So the apocalypse happens within those six days. And uh, now are they going to be able to get back? I don't, or is this the end? It is not the end because there's more episodes this season. So like I said, it, you know, it has its moments, but 
I don't know. There's, there's still just some things that, that I, don't, I don't know. So sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of going through. I feel committed to the to show since I, you know, we're at the fourth season now and I've been covering it. But I've quit on other shows before. I, I'm assuming people want to hear. I don't know. Do you want to keep hearing about it? I mean, we're almost done with the season, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue. But I do like the show. But I don't know. All right, with Twisted Metal, I think uh, I think I might just do one episode. We'll we'll see how how it, what the time is when I'm done with this one. So episode or season one, episode eight, EV three L one N Evelyn. This I, I like this episode because you know, we we get a flashback and you know we we've seen some before like with with Agent Stone when we saw like when the 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 fall first happened and everything like that. But this was good because uh, it's it's about John, you know. We we and obviously as the title is Evelyn, so we, we find out some more stuff, and uh, I kind of I kind of like ending on this note or, or like with this episode is like leaving as a cliffhanger because the way this episode ends, it's just like oh man. So uh, we see like John is a kid. He got in, like some he was driving a car. He got in an accident. He pulls a, the the family picture from the glove box. There's like a little fire going on there, so that's why it's cinched. And he, he's probably like maybe like 11 or 12 or something like that. This lady comes up. He, he hit like a divider. He's like on an expressway or some, some road or something like that. So this lady comes up to him. She has like this big like walking stick. And she's like, oh, that was quite a crash. And she's like, where are your parents, sweetie? And he's super skeptical because, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. And I don't know if this is, uh, this might be maybe that he hit his head and he, this is how he got the amnesia. So it's not really clear if he knew anything before then. Because, you know, she's like, you know, she's like, where's your parents? He's like, I don't know. And she's like, how old are you, 10, 11? He's like, I, I, I don't know. She's like, that crash must have rung your bell. So that's what we're supposed to assume. And she's like, well, let's start simple. She's like, you got a name? I don't know. I don't know. And she's like, shh. It's like, it's okay. Let me help you. Let me get, get you home safe. But it's like, how could she do that? And then, whack, she hits him upside the head with her walking stick. And he's like, wait. And she's like, fat chance, kid. She hops in the car. And she's like, Watkins storms are coming. So she, you know, this is the car he was driving. And he just like stands there as she drives away. And then the lightning bolt like strikes close to him. He just starts running. He goes like, like under like an, an overpass. And he's just like looking at the picture that he has. And he's like, who is this a-hole himself? So in the present, quiet, still driving. John is like majorly hungover. And she asks him for sunglasses because it's bright. He's like, I can't, I'm dying. He's like, say nice things at my funeral. He's like, take the time to speak highly of my good deeds. And she's like, man, dudes cannot handle hangovers for poop. And he's like, no hangovers in New San Francisco. He's like, I'll tell you that. Oh, and he's like, I had this sexy pork tenderloin last time. I can't wait. And she's like, I can't wait for a dog. And he's like, mm, nah, too gamey. And she's like, what? She's like, no, not to eat. He's like, oh, she's like, I always wanted a pet. He's like, I'm not taking care of a dog. And she's like, no one asked you to. And he's like, well, we're living together. I mean, what? And she's like, what? Are, are we living together? And he's like, what? No, why? I mean, no, I mean, we're, we're living together in the same city. You know, you, you call me to walk your dog when you're not ho at home, at, you know, and I'm at my home, you know, two separate homes. He's like, unless you want to live together. And she's like, do you? He's like, I don't know, do you? And she's like, you seem like a poopy roommate. I mean, you can't even share your, your fudging sunglasses. He's like, yeah, I, I, can, I can share my poopy popcorn. He like tosses some popcorn at her. And then she like pulls down the bodies or whatever and some like stuff falls out, including the picture. And she's like, oh, is this the infamous photo? And she's like, dude, what the hell happened? You are so cute. He's like, take it easy with that. 
And she's like, this is the only photo you have of your past life and you keep it in a visor. It's like, I think I can handle holding it for one. Flies out the open window. So the next scene, they're pulled over. They're trying to find it on the side of the road. John's like cursing. He's like, stupid. And he's like, hey, I said, stay back with Evelyn and watch the package. And, you know, she has like the bag over her shoulder because, you know, it's that little bag. She's like, I can do two things. And then, then she's like, how old were you in that photo anyways? And he's like, how does anyone keep track of that poop? And she's like, well, I mean, birthdays, moon phases. He's like, can we just focus on finding the picture? We're running out of daylight. And she's like, oh, found it. He tries taking it. And then she kind of like grabs it away. She's like, uh-uh, what do you say? Don't drop it again. And she's like, hmm. And then they hear Evelyn start up. There's three guys at the car. John shoots one in the head and quiet throws her hatchet at, and takes out the second one. And the third one, he's ready in the, in the car, drives away. And then John like bends over in pain. I don't know if it's just his stomach and you know hung over and everything like that. And then, then quiet's like, I can't believe holy men took our car. Then he's like, what the fudge you do? So then later they've been walking and she's like, we've been walking for an hour and you haven't said poop. And she's like, I don't know what else to say, John. She's like, I fudged up. It's like, if, if you want to focus on being mad, then go ahead. I guess we'll just walk until we die. And after, you know, a little pause, he's like, this isn't the first time I lost Evelyn. Vultures took her one time. Necros another time. One time I just forgot where I parked her. And she's like, okay, well, that's stupid. He's like, yeah, it's stupid. But every time I lost her, she's come back to me. And she's like, then let me help you find her this time. She's like, please. And he's like, fine. Then, dong, they start hear, hearing a, like a bell toll. Then he starts walking across the field. And she's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm following the bells. You know, that's where Evelyn is. She's like, you can't just walk into a holy man murder palooza. You saw those, what those fudges did to that convoy's milkman. He's like, Evelyn's so close. We need to go back and get her. She's like, I can't do it by myself. And he's like, what do you say, partner? Then she's like, okay, let's go get your car. He's like, great. And she's like, what? Because he starts walking back where he came from. He's like, we got to get those masks off those holy men that we killed so we can blend in. And she's like, isn't that like an hour away? He just like keeps walking. And she's like, I'm just going to wait here. Did you hear me? He didn't hear me. So she goes after him. So flashback, little John is like trying to start a fire in the woods with a stick and everything. His stomach's rumbling. He's like, shut up. Then he sees like some apples in a tree. So he steps up in this little like part of a fence to try to reach apple. But then he like falls, tumbles downhill and everything. Boom, slams into something. He hits his head. Evelyn's under like some like branches and like growth and stuff like that. There's a dead body in there. So he opens the door and like the body falls out. The keys are still in there. So he tries, you know, turning it over. It just sputters a little bit. But there's like canned food in the back seat. There's like girly magazines. There's cash, cigarettes. He's like, jackpot. So then later we see him using a lighter and like money to start, start a fire. Because like, what do you need money for? And then it's like night nighttime in a present. And he's like, sounds like this is it. So quiet stashes a package like under like a bush and the rocks or whatever. And then she's like, I don't love how moist this mask is. And he's like, well, at least your guy didn't have a beard. He's like, I'm going to be pu pulling face pubes out of my mouth all night. And he's like, also, we got to work on your dude voice. And she's like, dude voice? He's like, yeah, holy man, you got to fit in. Go deep. Let me hear it. And she talks. She's like, oh, hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> and you know, it's like, it's an accent. it almost sounds like a pirate or like British or what? And he's like, just try not to talk. And she's like, right, oh, governor. So, so at, at this place, guys are like riding around on bikes or like kind of clashing, wrestling each other, just smoking. A couple guys are just like, really like fighting, like slugging it out. And John's like, well, at least it looks like they're having a good time. And she points to, she's like, he's not because there's a dude hanging upside down on a cross. 
And John's like, maybe you deserved it. And he's like, I didn't. And then she's like, cool, I hate this place. So John says that Evelyn has to be around there some, somewhere. And then Quiet bumps into this like dominatrix woman. And, and she's like, oh, sorry. Or, sorry, governor. <laughs> and and uh, the lady's like, who told you to speak? And then she asks Quiet, she's like, do you like pain? And she's like, I, I love it. And then the lady calls for some drinks. And then they drink it. They're like, what is that? And the dude's like, it's Jack and Coke. They're, why is it lumpy? That's the Coke. <laughs> so then this preacher dude comes walking through. And then Quiet's like, I think the Coke's kick- kicking in. It's like, I can, can't feel my throat. It's like, I'm going to poop myself. I don't know who said I'm going to. Someone said I'm going to poop myself. But I couldn't tell if it was John or Quiet because there's like so much noise and everything like that. <laughs> so um, then the, the preacher calls out. And he asks, he's like, which one of you blessed fudges had seven days in the death pool? So he's talking about the dude hanging upside down because I guess he's dead now. And then he's like, it's great to be back with you in Colorado for the Rocky Mountain Fudge Fest. And he's like, while we are indulging in the seven deadly delights, let us recall our past and celebrate our futures. Me, I was a man of God. I was even celibate. And people are laughing. He's like, but when the world ended, God was nowhere to be found. I thought, huh, this fudge has forsaken us. But then I realized, no, we are God's always have been always will be and the roads will forever be our domain then he's like what gifts have you brought me so then he's like oh a generator gasoline guns he's like drugs oh more drugs he's like you got to be creative not just you know drugs someone's like that's drugs again (laughs) then you hear evelyn approaches preacher says i was like like stfu then he's impressed. John starts walking closer and Quiet's like, what are you doing? And because the preacher's like behind Evelyn and he talks about uh, doing things to her muffler, if you know what I mean. And he starts like unzipping and John yells, don't touch her. And the preacher's like, who spoke? And then John's just like standing here. He's like the only one. <laughs> you know, like everyone's like, like almost in a circle. One guy like actually bothers the point as if it wasn't obvious. So the preacher walks up. Uh, he almost looks like he might be angry, but then he starts chuckling a bit. He's like, your tone sounded envious. I like that. You want her, don't you? Quiet whisper. She's like, say no, say no, say no. Then John's like, from one brother to another, I propose a clash. And everyone's like, oh. And a preacher laughs. He's like, and someone yells out, that guy is fudged. Preacher takes off his trench coat. He's like, are you ready, son? And then, you know, someone comes up with the, like, you know, mirror or whatever, <laughs> does the line of coke, and Quiet asks John, she's like, what's your plan here? And John's like, look at that guy. He's like, the wind could knock him over. He's like, I'm going to kick his ass so bad, I'm going to be their king. And, and she's like, that's the blow talking. So then there's a, a screaming coming, and a preacher runs, does like one of those jump, like punch, hits John in the face. He, he goes down. Quiet goes up to him, and he's like, oh, I heard something crack. I think it was my brain. So Quiet's like, listen up, he's fast, so keep your distance. It's like, you'll never get a good hit if you're in too close. He's like, I told you, I got this. He picks up some dirt, and she's like, fine, you're on your own. Tosses the dirt, it's like, surprise, and then body blows. One, two, three, bam, knocks Preacher off his feet, you know, uppercut. And he's like, stay to fudge down, Preach. And Preacher, like, laughs, and then he's like, woo. He's like, you ever drink your own blood? It's intoxicating. He does one of those, you know, he's laying on his back. He does one of those where you kick up and you know, jump to your feet. And he, then he does like a roundhouse kick to John's face. And then he does like a cartwheel. And John's like, are you possessed? And Preacher's like, I was once by a little demon baby. Made me kill a whole church of people. 
Then he does a handstand. He's like, I can still hear their screams. I can't wait to hear yours. Well, so while he's doing the handstand, kicks him again. And then another, he's like, I can't stop kicking. Quiet watches, and then she starts moving back into the crowd. And she finds this guy in a garage by, like, a van or something like that. So she took off her mask, and she, like, whistles. And she acts like the other ladies, even though she's not in, like, a dominatrix outfit. But she's like, get on your knees, you little piglet, and lick my soiled boots. And the guy's like, oh, you're Scottish. And then he starts actually doing it, and she, it's, she starts getting a little grossed out because he's, like, licking her boots. And then she's like, now, where are the keys to that car, vermin? I want to take it for a ride. And he's like, wait, goddesses only ride shotgun. This is our way. Then she's like, not my way. Bam, massive kick to the crotch. It almost seems like he enjoys abuse, but later he's actually putting up a fight. So Preacher's still leaping around, fighting John, everything like that. He like he knocks, like John's head actually knocks the side mirror off of Evelyn. And then the, the, it would quiet the dudes like fighting back. And he like shoves her to workbench. She, and he like grabs her from behind. She grabs like a monkey wrench and she like pounds on his hand that's like around her. Then she like smacks him in the face. And then she kicks him. He like hits, you know, falls, flies back to the car. She reaches, he reaches for a shotgun that's inside. And then she kicks the door like shut and then slams the door against his head until you hear like crunch. And she grabs the keys off him. Preacher's like gloating. So he orders people to take John to the cross, but then he sees the other guy still there. He's like, come on, guys. He's like, if someone's ready for a cross and there's still a dead guy in it, he's like, say it with me. When the heart stops, the body drops. He's like, now the whole vibe is ruined. He's like, I guess, you know, take the new guy to a timeout and take that other guy down. Flashback, little John sits in the back seat. He's like looking at a magazine. Then he hears like a tree limb snap. He comes out with the crowbar and he's like, come out. I heard you. And this, this older dude comes out with his hands up. He's like, take it easy, Okay. It's like, I'm just looking for some food. And little John's like, go away, butthead. And the guy's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I said, go away. He throws a crowbar, hits a guy like in a jaw, like a side of the face. And he's like, oh, what'd you do that for? So he got me right in the veneers. And John's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I was aiming for your balls. And the guy's like, well, that would have hurt too, but that's okay. He's like, you can make it up to me. And little John's like, huh? He's like, because it's dinner time. Then he yells out, he's alone. Sweet. And then he's like, looks at, you know, John's like trying to start him back up. He's like, I love veal. So John gets in the car and he tries starting it again. And there's a guy at the back. The trunk like opens up, hits the guy and he falls back. Cause that's what happened. It happened before. So I don't know if it's like a, some flaw in Evelyn or if the spirit of Evelyn is actually helping. I don't know. But then he finally gets it started and he drives off and he's like, fudge you. And the present, he's like in this little like wire cage. Uh, he's like watching her trying to fuel up Evelyn, but the, like the hose isn't long enough. Then quiet comes up to him and she's like, so you lost, huh? He's like, you don't know that. He's like, this could be the winner's cage. So she starts banging on the pod, the padlock until, you know, it opens. She's like, I got us some wheels, piece of poop, but it'll get, uh, get us out of this nightmare carnival. And John's like, I'm not leaving her. And she's like, what? She's like, John, are you kidding? She's like, you almost died. She's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's just a car, John. And he's like, you don't get it. And she's like, no, I don't. He's like, but I fought and I bled. I got whipped. I drank Coke for you and your car. And now you say, I don't get it. She's like, fudge you. It's like, what happened to us being partners, huh? He's like, I'm not leaving Evelyn. And I'm not dying for a fudging car. Then he hears someone telling Preacher that the dude, that, you know, that he got attacked in the garage, whatever. So he's like, seal the camp. And she's like, we have to leave now, John. And he's like, then go. So she like looks at him and then she heads out. He puts a mask back on, picks up the monkey wrench. 
in the past, John's wondering, you know, he's talking to Evelyn, the, the car. He's, it's not Evelyn yet, but he's like, where to next? And then he's driving, and then the car dies. I think it's like out of gas or something like that. And he's like, I owe you for saving me back there. He's like, I'll fix you up, I promise. Just you, me, and the road. Sound good? And we see John runs up to Evelyn, ducks down at the side, but then Preacher points a gun to the back of his head. He's like, I admire your thirst, but if anybody's going to fudge this car, it's going to be me. John like swings his hand at the gun and the gun goes off, shoots a hole in the side of Evelyn and it's like hits a gas tank because gas starts like pouring out. They start like fighting again and then this like pole with like a fire at the top, you know, for light gets knocked over, of course. Preacher has like John pinned down. He's, he's, he's like, you're not worthy of the mask. And then he like takes it off. He raises a knife to like stab him, but then the gas is like starting, starting to pour towards the fire. The quiet's like off a little ways and then she sees whoosh, she sees a big explosion from a distance. She's like, no, 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 no. Then she starts cursing and she screams. She gets in her junker car. She looks at the package, like, uh, you know, the, the bag. And then she just hits the steering wheel and she starts driving. So some people then, uh, so after explosion, you know, right after some people are loading a preacher, it's either preacher or preacher's body. It's like, is he dead? They put him in the back of an SUV. They start clearing out the camp. John's like lying under like Evelyn's hood. He rolls over his head's killing him. Then he looks, he sees like the burnt husk of Evelyn. And it's it's like it's it's gone. I mean it's you can't sell it. It's just just like a skeleton. And then <laughs> My Immortal by Evanescence is playing and he just sits there. It's 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 sad. It's crazy. <laughs> so we see a flashback. We see little John at a, at a salvage yard. It keeps cutting back and forth like a present John starts like picking up some, gathering up some pieces. Little John carries like a battery and some other parts. Present John sits behind a wheel. Little John looks at like old license plates, and then, then he finds an Arizona plate that says EV3L1N, and he smiles. So that's he decided to name her Evelyn. He put, um, puts a burnt picture in the visor, drives off with his new plate. In a present, John's sitting. He's hugging the steering wheel, and he made like like a tomb marker with the like the burned remains of like the license plate. And that's where episode eight ends. So it's like, um, you, Evelyn's gone, which is just crazy. Cause it's like Evelyn and John Doe, like it, hand in hand. It's like that, that's, that's who, what, what, how it was. It would be like a sweet tooth not driving the ice cream truck. It just it just seems weird. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the end of episode eight. And so I think because there's only two more episodes left and because, you know, of time and everything that this week, you know, just trying to catch up, keep, keep afloat. So I think next week either we'll do nine and 10 and that'll be it. Or maybe to drag things out and keep us really in suspense. Maybe next week we'll do nine and the following week, 10. Cause I don't know if two episodes I want, if that's too much, I, I we'll see, we'll see how, how, how time goes. Okay. Then with Ahsoka season one, episode three, part three, time to fly. So it starts off there in hyperspace from, you know, the end of the last episode. Huang is going over, like, battle stances with Sabine. You know, she's using kind of like a, like a wooden sword, like a practice, you know, training sword. Ahsoka just kind of comes in, you know, and they're, like, in a big, like, middle room where, like, the, the retractable table thing. So Ahsoka's just kind of watching their session. Then Sabine asks Huang, she's like, well? And he's like, not bad, but not good. And she's like, well, it's been a while. And Huang's like, obviously. So Huang's like so honest and rude. And then Ahsoka's like, I see you still remember the basics. And she's like, enough to get by. And Huang's like, hmm, barely. <laughs> so then Ahsoka's like, Huang, let's try something else. How about Satoshi? And Huang's like, oh no, I'm not certain Lady Ren is ready for that te technique. 
and Ahsoka, she she's like, thanks, Wayne. She's like, oh, thank you. So he like leaves the room for a moment. So Ahsoka's like, your skill with a weapon comes from your Mandalorian upbringing. Those skills alone will not be enough to defeat our enemy. And she's like, yeah, I learned that the hard way. You know, talking about getting stabbed. And Ahsoka's like, you're training the body, but you must also open your mind. Learning to wield the force takes a deeper commitment. And Sabine's like, how? That's something you'll have to discover. Then Huang comes back, whatever. So Sabine's like, well, I discovered that according to Huang, I'm the worst candidate to be a Jedi out of every Jedi he's ever known. And Ahsoka's like, you told her that? It is true. Ahsoka's like, it doesn't matter. And Sabine's like, I think it does. And Huang's like, agreed. <laughs> so Ahsoka gives uh, Sabine like a blast helmet. And Sabine's like, you're joking. And you know, so she puts it on. She's like, I can't see. How am I supposed to fight? So little Luke Skywalker reminiscent. Ahsoka gives Sabine like the practice sword or whatever. She's like, I want you to see with more than just your eyes. She's like, okay, now what? And she's like, be still. So Ahsoka, you know, she grabbed like another staff. She's like, listen to my voice. Do you know where I am? And she's like, next to Huang. And then the voice from comes from her other side. Are you sure? And somehow, I don't know how, I mean, somehow Ahsoka zipped over there. And Sabine's like, very funny. You know, she lift up the helmet. And Ahsoka's like, you'd be dead. She's like, not if I could see you. And then Ahsoka whispers, she's like, exactly. She's like, now lower your visor and concentrate. Ready position. Feel my presence. Take in all that is around you. Follow my voice. Sense my intention. So Ahsoka moves her sword like close to Sabine. And then um, Sabine kind of does like a, she like moves around like a defensive swing and then like moves back in position. And then, uh, you know, Ahsoka kind of moves around, hits her on the shoulder, like on the other side. Sabine moves a block again, but Ahsoka's like, like already moving, walk, walking around behind her. So Sabine is, is trying to listen. Ahsoka taps her on the shoulder and then, ta you know, taps her hand. And, you know, Sabine moves and everything. Uh, Ahsoka keeps like moving around, connects a few times, and then she's like swinging at the air. She looks like she's she's starting to get a little better, you know, because she's actually there's actually some you know actually she's connecting with Ahsoka, um, and then you know but then some misses. Then Ahsoka trips her and she's on the floor. Sabine lifts her visor and Ahsoka's just staring down at her and she's you know Sabine's obviously ticked off because it was a cheap move, but that's how it goes. And she's like, anger and frustration are quick to give power, but they also unbalance you. Let's go again. So Hera goes to, she's like on, uh, what do you call the, the rebel gatherings in space? Like all the ships out there. So there's like the rebel, it's not a rebel blockade or whatever it is. So she's on this big ship because um, she, she's going to go talk to the Chancellor, Mon Mantha. There's, you know, she's outside this room. There's this dude out there said that she's waiting with some senators, including Giono. So that's uh, the father of the kid who was in Star Wars Resistance, that animated show, which I never watched. And so she goes in a room. They're all like hologram, holo senators with Mon Mantha. So Mon Mantha's like, like, oh, you look good. How's young Jason? So that's um, Jason is her kid with a uh, Canon, Canon, Canon Jarrus. And um, she's like, he's fine. You know, he's actually on board somewhere. And you know, she's talking. About, and her or Mon Mantha's like, oh, he's probably getting into trouble with Chopper. She's like, yeah, probably. So this Giono, Giono guy, he, he like he basically wants to cut to the chase. He's like, we're late, you know, as it is. So Hera gives a report on you know everything that's been going on, going to the shipyards in Corellia. She was attacked by Imperial loyalists working for Morgan Elspeth. This other senator calls them outliers. Like we have former Imperials working throughout every level in the Republic, and you know they've all taken oaths of loyalty. And Hera's like, long live the Empire. Doesn't sound like the kind of loyalty we're looking for. 
you know, a little sassy. A little, is it rude? Is it disrespectful to talk like that way to Senator, even though she's a general? Mon Monta says, you know, it's her understanding the offenders were arrested and their facility was shut down pending further investigation. Harris like, yes, but I believe their activity speaks to a larger operation involving Thrawn. And Mon Monta is like, Grand Admiral Thrawn's like, how is that possible? He disappeared years ago. The other senators, senators look a little skeptical as well. So Hera's like, I have reason to believe that he is alive and that his allies are working on a way to find him. And Mon Moth is like, are, you are certain of this? So Hera's like, if I could get approval to send a task force to the Denob system, I could find out. Then Giono says, General, be honest. Isn't this just another attempt to gain new Republic resources to aid in what has ultimately been your personal quest to find Ezra Bridger? And she's like, Ezra vanished while fighting Thrawn. And you conveniently used the threat of Thrawn's return to acquire those resources that could be put to a more practical purpose, helping the people of our fledging Republic. So Hera's just like, look, I'm like, I'm kind of like gritting her teeth, but not really. She's like, were you ever in a war, Senator? And he's just like, he pauses. He's like, no. So she's like, just sat back and waited to see who came out on top. And the others are completely silent. It's, it's like, it's very awkward and tense. So finally, the, uh, one of the other senators, he's, he's finally says, General Sindula, I'm sure we are all grateful for your service and role in restoring the Republic. Now we, as senators, serve the people of that Republic. And I can tell you, they want no part of any further conflict. And Hera's like, you act like we have a choice. This other senator is like, don't we? I see no enemy. The Imperial fleet is scattered and broken. They have no centralized command. And Hera's like, unless Thrawn returns. So then Shiona's like, make your point, general. So she's like, Thrawn is not your typical Imperial officer. I know because I fought against him. He killed friends, people who were like family to me. I've spent most of my life fighting a war, and that's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. And he's like, Grand Admiral Thrawn is dead, and I'm sorry to say it is my opinion that your friend, Ezra Bridger, heroically died with him. And she's like, you don't know that. It's like, this has nothing to do with Ezra, the fact that he keeps bringing it up. I mean, he's like major a-hole. I do not like this guy. And it makes me glad I didn't watch the show with his kid. <laughs> that, whatever Star Wars resistance. Maybe it was good. I don't know. So Mon Mothma cuts in. She's like, General Hera. She's like, allow me a moment to speak with my colleagues. So she's like, stands there and she's like, of course, Chancellor. So she steps out. The other guy's like, well, that one, well. Then her kid runs up. He's an, he's an, an annoying kid. He, he just looks annoying. Just I'm sorry. Just by coming up there. He comes up with, with, with Chopper. And he's like, mom, mom, is it true? And Sabine is going to be a Jedi? And Hera's like, no, where did you hear that? He's like, Chopper told me. He's like, I want to be a Jedi. And she's like, yeah, I know you do, Jason. And she like ruffles his hair. So on the sh or ship, uh, Ahsoka tells Sabine, she's like, you did well today. Then again, you were always a fast learner. And Sabine's like, well, like you said, weapons I can handle. It's a rest. It's a struggle. And Ahsoka's like, it takes time. Sabine's like, I was, I was hoping the urgency of her situation could expedite my training a bit. Ahsoka's like, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. And Sabine's like, I know. I just, I can't use a force. I, I don't feel it, not like you do. Ahsoka says, the force resides in all living things, even you. If that's true, then why doesn't everyone use it? You know, they're sitting now, have, like, drinking some, some tea or something. 
So it's like, why doesn't everyone use it? And so, cause like talent is a factor, but training and focus are what truly defines someone's success. So she moves a cup across the table, slides across. Not everyone can handle the type of discipline it takes to master the ways of the force. So start small. She gets up to go like in the cockpit and Sabine calls out. She's like, Ahsoka. She's like, I'm going to give this my best. And Ahsoka just walks out. So she goes, Hoang's in the cockpit and Ahsoka's like, any word from Hera about our support for the New Republic? No, not yet. So what did you think of her progress? Ahsoka's like, she's frustrated. It's still a challenge for her. You both knew this wouldn't be easy. And she's like, well, what you said didn't help. I only spoke the truth. The Jedi Order would not have accepted her. She is not an acceptable candidate. And Ahsoka's like, by their standards, standards which were proven over a millennium and failed. You realize historically, there have been very few Mandalorians who ever became a Jedi. Ahsoka's like, I don't need Sabine to be a Jedi. I need her to be herself. Well, I suppose you do come from a long line of non-traditional Jedi. In that way, she fits right in. So in the other room, Sabine's staring at the cups. You know, she's, you know, she's, then she's start, starting to move her hand. Nothing happens. She tries some more. And then, you know, she gets interrupted. Ahsoka's like, I've got hair on. So then she tells the cup, you win this round. So Sabine goes in a cockpit and she's like, hair, great. How far are, are you in the fleet? And Holo Hera is like, unfortunately, I won't be joining you for this one, and neither will the fleet. She's like, what? The Senate committee wouldn't approve the mission. And Sabine's like, the Senate committee? What are you talking about? She's like, sorry, Sabine, but it's not up to me. I have to follow the orders. And then she starts cutting out. Hoang's like, we've entered the Denab system. All calm transmissions are being jammed. Ahsoka's like, drop from hyperspace. Let's see what Morgan's been hiding out here. And Sabine's like, why do we drop out of hyperspace so far from the planet? Hoang's like, standard Jedi mission protocol when approaching an unknown situation in order to avoid enemy surveillance. And then to Ahsoka, he's still doing this? And she's like, programming. And she's like, right. Because you know, he's like so literal about everything about Jedi you know, protocol. Hoang's like, there also seems to be a second object, something much longer. And Ahsoka's like, Star Destroyer? Negative. Whatever it is, it has a signature which is unknown to me. So then an alert goes off. Six ships are now after them, like little little fighter ships. So Shin and Mar Mar Marak are like piloting two of them. Ahsoka asks Sabine to take the tail gun, please. So she goes and then she like looks at control. She's like, I see you got rid of my presets. I never needed them. So you say. So they start shooting at them. Sabine's like, you know, yell. She's like, keep it steady. And Ahsoka's like, remember, learn to anticipate. She's like, now's not the time for a lesson. You're just a little rusty. So they're not really getting anywhere. Huang is like worried. Ahsoka finally like, Sabine, tell me what you need. And she's like, move on my signal? All right, get ready. So three approach. Then she's like, dive. She's like, shoot, 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 shoot. she misses. Ahsoka's like, you'll get another chance. Two more incoming. Ahsoka flies and to, at them to get them to split. She like kind of rotates. Sabine fires. Blows up. The others form up. And Sabine tells Ahsoka like when to roll. Gets two more. So Ahsoka gets a visual contact on the other objects, and Huang's like, if I had to guess, I would say it is some sort of hyperspace ring. And Ahsoka's like, I'd like to confirm that. So Shin tells Morgan that they're entering her sector, and she's like, I'm surprised you let them get this far. Stay clear. I shall deal with them. Prepare turbo lasers. So Shin tells Marak to form up on her wing and wait for a signal. Sabine tells 
the fighters have broke, you know, Cesar's the fighters broken off, and Ahsoka's like, well, you better get up here. And Huang's like, just keep the ship steady while I attempt to run my scan. So Morgan tells the droids, open fire. Ahsoka tells Sabine to manage the deflectors, and, and Huang's like, I never would have thought to do that, or that it would be something like, or something, or whatever. And Ahsoka's like, did you get what you need? And he's like, closer, please. And, and they're like getting hit and stuff like that. Deflectors at 10%. And it's like, Huang. And then he's like, scan complete. <laughs> so back on the, the ship, Morgan's like destroyed. The droid's like, they are off our scope. So the ship's like floating away. It's like, it's, it's just floating there. Huang is like down, he's out. And Ahsoka's like, leave him. She's like, I need you to run a full diagno- diagnostic. And Sabine's like, leave him. And Ahsoka's like, priority, Sabine. It's like, we can't help Huang if we're both dead. Now get on it. Shin congratulates Morgan. She's like, you almost got them. I have eyes on them. We'll take it from here. So there's like this sassy competition between the two. Ahsoka asks, she's like, well, what's working? And Sabine's like, not much. She's like, our backup kicked in, but we're dead in space. No hyperdrive, no cannons. Ahsoka's like, we have incoming. She's like, work fast. I'm going out there. And she like leaves the cockpit. And Sabine's like, out there? Out where? And she's like, just keep working. I'll distract them. Shin and the other approach in their ships. Sabine's working on circuits and wires and doing stuff. Ahsoka, she put on like a spacesuit. She goes out there and on, she's like on top of the ship, ignites both her lightsabers. Um, Shin sees her and everything. They start approaching, start shooting. She blocks. She does like a flip over like the like three ships as they pass. They come back around. She blocks the rest. She actually like hits a couple, like, shish, shish, but it doesn't really do anything. I thought that she would like deflect it and hit the ships, but she just it doesn't happen. She does another flip over them, whoosh, swipes the third one, slices off like a big chunk of the ship. So, and then, then Sabine sees Ahsoka floating by. She's like, Ahsoka. And she's like, Sabine, did you get the ship fixed yet? <laughs> and she's just floating through space. And she's, she's like, almost, she like flips some switch and everything. It starts up. She's like, I got it. And Ahsoka's like, great. Now come get me. Shin makes another approach. Um, Sabine kind of like rotates the ship a little bit so, you know, Ahsoka can get her feet on it. She starts like heading towards the, the hatch. Shin starts shooting at, at Ahsoka. And then she like flips over, you know, she dives into the, the hatch. Sabine uh, flies towards the, the planet. There's a couple of ships following them, firing at them. And then they're like going through clouds and stuff now because they're getting in, on, in the atmosphere. Ahsoka scans like something's up ahead. And Sabine's like, another ship? And she's like, no. There's these like giant space star whales or something, you know, coming at them. And there's like kind of a big swarm, flock, school. I don't, I don't know what, what you would call them. So they're, they're kind of flying like around them, through them and everything like that. And they, they kind of have these like tentacles or something, you know, stuff that, that they're going in and out. Hoang finally wakes up, scan complete. And he's like, what'd I miss? And Ahsoka's like, we almost died. And Sabine's like, multiple time. Ah, yes, standard operating procedure. So they land a ship like in a forest, like off the coast or whatever. Ahsoka tells Sabine to sh- shut down all power. Hoang protests, but they ha- Ahsoka's like, standard Jedi procedure. So they, they just sit there and listen, and a couple ships like zip by overhead. And uh, you know, Shin's like almost like frantically looking around. She tells Marok that they must be hiding in the trees. Ahsoka's after what bit, she's like, I think we can chance it. And they turn on Huang in the ship, and then she's like, Are you all right? Because Sabine's kind of like looking a little distracted. And she's like, I haven't seen those creatures since the day Ezra disappeared. And a Huang, so then they ask Huang, like, what, what, what's up with the scan? He's like, the good news is the enemy vessel is still under construction and not yet complete. There are six hyperdrive engines in place, with the final one being set into position. Ahsoka's like, so it's a hyperspace ring. 
Yes, but I have never seen one built on this scale before. A craft with these power levels and configuration would be capable of a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance. So Soka's like, Hwang, could a ring like that make a jump to a neighboring galaxy? Theoretically, if one knew the coordinates and navigation, yes, I believe it could. The Jedi archives speak of intergalactic hyperspace lanes between galaxies which used to follow the migration paths of star whales named Purgy or Purgil. Purgil? Something like that. And then she's like, like the ones we just saw? What ones did we just see? Because Huang missed them. <laughs> and then uh, at the, the stone circle, Balan's standing there. He's like, the Jedi have taken refuge in the forest. And then like the alien soldiers there, he's like, hunt them down. And then they start to disperse. And that's the end of the episode. It's like these episodes sometimes are just kind of like, it's, it's a kind of weird ending. Because, I mean, the first episode, major cliffhanger, you know, Sabine gets stabbed. But like the second and third episode, it just, it ends with, with Baylan and it's just kind of like, hmm, that's it? Okay. So that's the end of the third episode. So, so maybe not as, as action-packed or great, but I, I, I'm still, I'm digging the show. All right, then we have Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. So as you, you may know, um, I, I love Adventure Time. I have such a fondness for the show. And the, the main thing is because of watching it with my daughter when she was young. I didn't watch it when it first started. I, I came in a little late. I hadn't even heard. I totally missed it. And uh, as soon as I started watching, I just, I just loved the show. And just it's so weird and bizarre and so many weird characters and cool characters and you know i have a bemo tattoo on my arm you know my daughter and i got it you know when she turned 18 so i just have such a uh you know it has a special place in my heart so fiona and cake i i'm okay with fiona and cake you know i i'm i'm sure you know if i saw more and more i'm gonna you know grow to love them as much as you know the other characters as well i can appreciate them and all and you know i am excited for for this this series um, but that, that, this has been a weird series. The first two episodes are kind of weird and I'm not really sure. Cause I, I'm trying to think like where, I don't even know what kind of overall vibe, like what, what is the direction for this? So it's, it's, and that, that's kind of a good thing. Cause it's, it's not just, let's just do more adventure time stories or let's just do. And, you know, cause I, I thought it was just going to be Fiona and cake adventures, you know, like in their kind of gender bent world, but that's not really what it's about. So let's just get to it. So. Uh, season one, I'm hoping there's going to be more, more than one season. Season one, episode one, Fiona Campbell. So it starts off, we see this like rat bus is out of control. It's like running through the rooftops. There's like, you know, people inside, they're falling out. Fiona and Cake are, are chasing it. The rat's like not so nice and just no concern about the passengers inside. And then they end up, you know, uh, Fiona's like trying to, you know, stop it and everything like that. They end up falling into this pool. The rat is about to attack, but then this like snowflake hits the water and it freezes. Fiona was like on this raft, so, she, you know, she doesn't get frozen. But then she sees like the ice prince on a rooftop. So it's not the ice king and it's supposed to be like kind of like a handsome prince or whatever. And he says that the ice won't hold it for long. And he, he says, he's like, you've got this. And he says that to her. And then he like gives her like ice skates for feet, so she goes. The passengers are saved. The the rat gets knocked out, and then the ice prince tells them that you know, tells Fiona and Cake that they're great fighters. You know, will they join him on his magical adventures? And then he holds out his hand, and she blushes, and she's like, "Who are you, really?" He opens his mouth, and then, <laughs> and then the ice in the pool melts. Fiona and Cake fall in the water, and then in the real world. She has an alarm clock that goes off. And then she sits up, hits the snooze button. 
and she she looks around her apartment. So this is weird because it's not Adventure Time world. It's not like Fiona Cake world. It's, it looks like a regular, regular you know human apartment. So there's like a huge stack of dirty dishes. There's food sitting out. There's like wilted plants. There's a pile of clothes in a in a corner. There's like dishes on the side of her bed. So then it's like 7.40, snooze, alarm goes off. She turns on the TV and, and Cheers is on. And then she keeps changing the channel. Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Change the channel. Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience. It's like on all the channels. Everything is showing Cheers. So that's the other thing. Um, they're showing Cheers. Does that mean it's the real world? I, I, what, what is going on? She lays back down and she says she doesn't want to go to work. Cake is just like a regular cat. Cake, cake doesn't talk. And then, you know, Fiona said that she had this great dream. It was her third night in a row. You know, there's this mysterious ice prince. And then she tells Cake, you know, you were there too. And you could talk and, and stretch. And then she notices that Cake's ears are, and nose are cold. And she's like, is that normal? And then it's kind of funny because we see things from, from Cake's perspective. And it's like, wah, 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 Cake, wah, 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 food, wah, 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 wah. Because you know, she can't understand what she's saying, just certain words. And then Cake's ears kind of twitch as she looks like the ice dispenser on a fridge. So she's, her nose and ears are cold and she's got this thing about ice. So she jumps up on the counter, bats at the ice dispenser, and then like some ice, you know, falls out on the floor, jumps down and then sticks her face in a pile of ice. And Fiona says that, you know, she says to Cake, she's like, you haven't really eaten in three days. And she offers her a tuna sandwich and she just like bats it, you know, uh, uh, bats out of Fiona's hands. So, um... Fiona calls the vet, makes an appointment, but the only appointment she get was during lunchtime. So that means that Cake's going to have to come with her to work. And so she's like, I hope you're going to be behaved. She walks out in her uniform and Cake is in it like a cat carrier. Outside, everything looks normal. You know, again, like normal present day city. Fiona, it turns out she's an announcer on Queenie Bus Tour. So she's like, where bus dreams come true. My name is Fiona Campbell and I will be your guide today. Do we have any folks visiting from out of town? One person's like, I'm from here. The other one's like, I'm from around the corner. I live in a graveyard or, or next to the graveyard. And she's like, why do I even ask? And then she's like, over on her left, we have the oldest building, the city post office. In 1911, there was a fire, but they stamped, and there's a dude at, at the back, like behind a guitar, like laying in the back seats, stamped it out. So it's Marshall Lee, which is supposed to be like the male version of Marceline. And then she's like, everybody, world's best unknown musician. Catch him on the corner of 14th and Elm in half an hour. And then she's like, oh, uh, and on our right is a city park. She's like, behold, the largest outdoor fountain in a five-block radius. Yay. She's like, it underwent a renovation 12 years ago. And then someone's like, who's the statue of? And she's like, don't know, dude. <laughs> she's like, we're now passing by the city aquarium. Does anybody not know what an aquarium is? And someone's like, uh, she's like, great. And she makes a comment about the, like the cafeteria. And she gets distracted, but there's a display like two penguins in the front. And it, they look like Gunther. So then she starts thinking of the ice prince. And then she asks, if anyone here, you know, she goes off script or whatever. She's like, is, that, is anyone here into dream analysis? Because I've been having dreams about a cool ice prince and giant penguins and stuff. And she's like, it feels like the universe is trying to tell me something. You know, why would I dream about an ice guy? And someone's like, uh, obviously you're dreaming about a cool ice prince now because you just got dumped by a hot DJ flame. And someone's like, bro, you got dumped by DJ Flame? And she's like embarrassed and angry. She's like, whatever. She's like, that's not what it means, okay? My dream is, is way more significant. And someone's like, I dream about being a hot dog, which is maybe supposed to be like hot dog princess. And someone's like, I dream about being a banana, which is probably one of the banana guards. And she's like, hey, focus. We all have weird food dreams, okay? But my dream is special. It means something. I can feel it. 
Cake meows, and then so she takes her off. She's like, see, Cake agrees with me. So they drive by this ice rink, and then Cake starts, like, clawing, trying to get away. She runs to the, to the back, and she go, hops in this guy's lap, and he like, complains. He's like, my allergies, whatever. She tries, like, pulling Cake off, but he's, like, pulling, like, clinging onto his pants. Then this lady in a hat and glasses jumps up. She's like, that's enough. Aha. And Cake's, or Fiona's like, well, well uh, Queenie, why are you here? And she's like, it's called a spot check, ya ding dong. I've gotten several complaints about your tours. So I went undercover like a true boss. And I see not only were the complaints true, but you also bring a crazed animal on board. And Cakes or Fiona, <laughs> Fiona's like, I had to bring her. She's sick or something. And she's like, oh, a rabid crazed animal. So Fiona's like, it's not her fault. Cake's a good kitty. And then she like runs out of Fiona's arms and knocks down Queenie. And, and she like, bats at the door. And then she's like, stop the bus. Everyone gets off, and Queenie gets mad because she finds out that you know Marshall never pays. And and Fiona's like, "Well, what's a big deal? The bus is always half empty." She's like, "It's hurting my big fat wallet." And Fiona's like, Psh, "Whatever." So then Queenie's like, "Kerr, turn in your uniform. You're fired." And she's like, "What?" She's like, "Fine. I never even wanted a stupid job in the first place. No one even cares about your dumb tours." And she like pulls on her pants, and Queenie's like, "Jesus, stop! Just like, just bring it back later, if you want your deposit back." And then the bus leaves, and she sighs. She's like, I do really need that deposit back. So walking, she tells Cake that this is like her fifth job this year. She wonders if, you know, she she goes by a game store. She's like, I wonder if I could be a game designer. I have really good ideas. And she's like, oh, what's the matter? The city is boring. Nothing ever happens. All the people are boring. Then three people in, like, yellow shirts are walking and talking. They look like banana guards almost. She tries getting by, and then finally she, like, shoves them, like, kind of knocking them down because she's like, excuse me, excuse me. And then this couple of like roller skaters come by and they're like in awe. So they roll after Fiona and they tell her like, that was an impressive display of jerkiness. Like you could, you know, you should join our roller derby team. It's like, we need bodies. They hold out a flyer <laughs> and Fiona just like kind of like shreds it with, somehow with her nails. So they're both like, Ugh. it's like, you hurt our feelings real good. <laughs> so then we see Gary, who's supposed to be like the male version of Princess Buttercup. He's in Butler's buttery buns he, he makes this big order for cb which is supposed to be like cinnamon buns this like lady and you know a bunch of coffees and, and cakes or whatever fiona comes in for a, a cake to go and he notices something's wrong with with both of them and she's like i'm fine just got fired my cat's acting weird so i gotta take her to the vet and which i can't afford because oh yeah i just got fired so gary's like oh that's a bummer but maybe this will cheer you up he shows her his like latest prototype is it's like this gingerbread man biscuit thing and uh she like scarfs it down because he's like oh wait let me put the finishing touch he's gonna put like some frosting for like a scarf and then she, she scarfs it down no pun intended she just like gobbles it down and before he even gets a, a, a chance to put it on there um she's like I have no, you know, I have no impulse control when it comes to sugary foods. So he's like, okay, it was like, he get, gets some more because he wants her to savor it and give like detailed feedback. Cake goes over to the cooler because, you know, she wants more ice. And this mouse crawls out front underneath the, and the, the cooler, she starts chasing it. The owner comes out and seems to be like, okay with the mice, but not worth roughhousing. And she's like, bakeries always have mice, you know, since the olden days. And then she sees like the, the gingerbread man and she's like, what's this? Whatever. She like drops it on the floor and then she drops like one of her custards or something like that. And then the mouse, you know, cause they're just supposed to be like a test. So the mouse goes after the custard and she's like, it's Butler's buttery buns. So she's like, you stick to what's traditional. And Fiona's like, Gary, you know, after she leaves, she's like, Gary, you should just quit. And he's like, hmm. And she's like, I do it all the time. 
And he's like, I just need to perfect that recipe. It's part of a 64-step plan to open my own bakery. Got to stick to the plan. And she's like, Psh, plans? She's like, I never make plans, right, Cake? Then he's like, uh, don't you have a vet appointment right now? And she's like, ah. And she like darts off. We see Marshall at his corner playing a song. And then Fiona runs around the corner, trips on his guitar case. The bag of the people biscuit things lands in, in the case. Her coffee spills, but some gets on her uniform. And she's like, ah. And she's like, no way, get that deposit back now. And Marshall, Marshall's like, wait, did you quit your job? He's like, that's a power move. He chomps at one of the biscuits that fell into his case. He's like, mm, whoa. He's like, these are like really good. Where are these from? And she's like, I didn't quit. I got fired. And he's like, wah, wah. And she's like, oh, Marshall, could you let your mom know that uh, my rent is going to be late this month? And he, Marshall's like, uh, me and her aren't really talking right now. And she's like, what? But I can barely afford the vet. And he's like, nope, not going to do it. And she's like, Marshall. Cake's like, meow. And he's like, but you know what, though? Vets are like a total scam. My buddy Ellis can fix her up. And he'd only charge you like uh, a couple of these. He holds up the biscuits. And she's like, sounds kind of shady. He's like, no, he's he's super legit. And she like looks at her uniform. She's like, okay, what's his address? She goes over to City Gardens. She walks through like bushes and brambles. And she's like, if I die out here, no one will ever find my corpse. And she's like, ah, because there's this other body. And then, but it's really a dude. Like he crawls out. He's like, sorry, traveler. It's like this kind of big muscular, you know, so I guess this handsome dude. He's like, I'm just planting some weeds back here. And she's like, don't you mean pulling weeds? And he like shakes his head. He's like, if you step into the bushes with me, I'll show you something amazing. And she thinks about it. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Even though it seems like kind of shady to do that. They walk and it starts getting brighter. There's a bunch of like purple flowers and bushes and colorful birds. And she's like, wow, you planted all this? He's like, yes. He's like, out there, my job is to destroy all wildflowers and weeds. He's like, did you know that any plant can be considered a weed? And she's like, what? That doesn't sound right. He's like, in here, these guys are chill and harmonious. Pulls up a dandelion. Most people hate them, but they can grant wishes. Just close your eyes and blow. So she does. She opens them up. There's like one seed left. She's like, yep, that about sums it up. And then he's like, ah, and he like blows. So she's like, so Ellis, can you help my cat or what? And he's like, uh, no, my name is Hunter. And she whispers, she's like, God damn it. Then he's like, you're looking for Ellis? So Ellis is wearing purple. So Ellis is supposed to be LSP, uh, Lumpy Space Princess. He's tossing nuts to squirrels. And so Hunter's like, that's Ellis. So Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, that's Ellis P. <laughs> Which that kind of made me laugh. I don't know. And then she's like, another beautiful misfit? And he's like, aren't we all? She's like, Pfft. So she walks up to Ellis, and he gets startled and throws nuts at her. He's like, get her, boys. And the squirrels are just like, they just grab the nuts. So she's like, uh, Marshall said you could help me with my cat. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm deeply connected with all animals and speak their language. But what's in it for me? So she holds up the bag of biscuits. He's like, oh, my gosh, bag food. Brunch, 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 brunch. And the payment accepted. So she says Cake's been acting really weird lately. She can't figure out why. Ellis like you know, takes her out of carrier, lifts up her tail, drops it, lifts up her tail, drops it. And she's like, oh, you're a sad one, aren't you? Okay, try not to freak out when you see my powers in action. He turns his back, throws some catnip on a hand. He's like, wah, 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 wah. He's like, open the channels of communication. Then he snaps his right hand, and Fiona kind of looks at it, and then he's sort of catnips on his left. And she, then she looks. She's like, what's that, catnip? He's like, yes, it's catnip. So what kind of symptoms are we talking about? And Fiona says that she's restless and having bad dreams. And then Ellis is like, oh, yeah, I think, I think she's restless and has bad dreams. And he says that he's very intuitive. And Cake 
he, he wants cake or he wants uh, Fiona to tell her what's wrong. And she's like, I don't know. That's why I'm here. So it's almost like he just wants her to tell him so he can say that that's what it is. And he's like, you know, maybe she feels stuck, you know, being in a little apartment. And Elsa's like, well, anyone, you know, would feel trapped in an apartment. So she needs to roam. And Fiona's like, well, where would she go? She's a cat in a sad little city. And Elsa's like, lots of places, Midtown, Upper Midtown, Central Midtown. And she's like, downtown? I'm not familiar. And she's like, Ugh, what does it matter where? What if she's just bored with everything and wishes the world was more magical? It should be more magical. And Elsa's like, in my dreams, I'm a beautiful prince. Then Cake opens her eyes and sees like some sparkles by a tree. So she jumps down and Fiona's like, Cake, come back. So Cake chases the, um, the, the sparkles through the bushes. She jumps into like an ice cream vendor's cart and then there's like this blue flash and that's the end of the episode. So it's like, wait, what, what the heck just happened? Because in episode two, you think it's going to pick up from that. It kind of doesn't. At least it doesn't seem like it. So episode two is Simon Petrikov. And it even has like a different start. You know, we see Fiona and Cake and stuff like that. But it's like different scenes, different animation, whatever. Or not animation, but different segments. So we we see this. Now this looks more like the Adventure Time we know. There's like this ravaged city. Um... So this is what we've seen. We see Simon and little Marceline. So this is a flashback. They're running. He has a crown like on his belt, like at his side. There's these, these mutated creatures are following them. They hide in like this drain, drain pipe. And then Simon's hands like slowly starts reaching for the crown. Marceline sees and she like stops him from touching it. And then, you know, they're sitting there waiting the mutated things leave. And he's like, oh, this is one of the finest sewers we've been in. And she's like, that's ah, stinky. And then he's like, no, darling, that's me. And she laughs. And then like a button pops off her overall. And he's like, oh, not to worry. I always carrying a sewing kit. So he starts sewing it, you know, the, the button back on. She's like, oh, Simon, what would I do without you? And he's like, oh, you'd be just fine. I promise. Better than fine. You're so great, Marceline. Someone else would definitely find you and take care of you. Maybe even someone rich. Yeah, you'd be living in a castle with food and medicine and trained squirrels attend to your every need. As for me, I'd, oh, and then he sees that she fell asleep. So then he sits, you know, and then he starts looking at the crown. And then it cuts to another time. So I was like, wait, is this earlier? Is this after? Because, you know, the glasses are, are fine, are fixed. This is actually after. So after a regular adventure time. Because we, so we see Simon, he's lying in bed, waiting for a clock to change to 8 a.m. Lauren goes off, turns it off right away. Puts on his glasses, turns on the TV. Cheers is on. Cheers is filmed in front of the live studio audience. Goes tinkle, shaves, kind of admires his face with like shaving cream beard. Now, by this time, it's 9 a.m., gets dressed, eats cereal, does some ironing, stares at a ceiling fan, and then someone clears her throat. And there's like several people, like weird, I thought they were a costume effort, but I guess it's just their, their, their outfits. Uh, and one is kind of dressed as Fiona, has like the blue shirt and shorts and like the rabbit ear hat. One person's like, is that supposed to happen? Pointing to the pants that are starting to burn on an ironing board. And then, you know, like, is a burning of the pants a 20th century ritual? So he's in this building. There's a sign out there. It says 20th century man and his natural habit. And it's like so much dust. So there's this um, other building like uh, that says like cave folks. And, you know, there's other stuff around there. So Simon um, waves to people. He's like, greetings, visitor. My name is Simon Petrikov, and I am an antiquarian living in a 20th century Burning pants is a daily ritual observed by everyone in my time. So now I'd be happy to answer your questions or answer any questions you might have. The little girl in the Fiona outfit like frantically raises her hand. He's like, anyone, anyone? Then the electronic voice is like, yeah, I got a question down here. So it's coming from, there's a dog there with like a something on his collar. 
So and then he's like, he's like, what's that? He points to there's a shelf with like different like old time phones, like regular phone. There's like you know the the phone with the little the two bells and the earpiece. I don't know what it's called. And there's like a football phone. Uh, Simon's like, great question. By the way, did you know in the 20th century you dogs couldn't talk? Answer the question. So he's like, oh, uh, it's a phone. And then he's like, what's that above it? That's also a phone, but shaped like a football, but it's a phone. Another person asks, like, points to another one. He's like, is this also a phone? And Simon's like, it's a blow dryer. And they're like, why isn't it a phone? <laughs> so then he's like, next question. The little girl's like, what's it like to have ice powers? He's like, uh, it's great. Our 20th century refrigerators had freezer compartments, many of which made their own ice. Then she's like, why'd you stop writing Fiona and Cake stories? It just kind of groans and he whispers. She's like, look, I told you yesterday and the day before that, I didn't write those. Ice King wrote those. And his normal voice is like, but if you're interested in reading something actually good, I wrote a book about ancient artifacts. So then she turns to the other. He used to be a uh, ice wizard who wrote my favorite book series, but then his girlfriend or fiance or something did some you know, did something bonkers and turned him into a boring sad guy. And someone's like, ha. Then <laughs> he's like, uh. Then she's like, can you at least sign my book? He looks at the cover of the Fiona and Cake book. And it tosses it in the trash. And the girl's eyes go like wide, big, and she starts sobbing. He's like, oh, 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 geez. And, and then the dog's like, what's under here? There's like this, like it's like a cage with like a blanket thing over it. And he's like, no, that's private. And then he accidentally pulls the dog's collar and the voice thing off. And then the dog's like, row, 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 row. It just starts barking. And he's like, sorry, doggy. Sorry, everyone. The exhibit is closing early today. He's like, please leave. He like runs into the bathroom. He tries, like, regaining his composure. He goes back out of the room. Then he goes into his closet. It's kind of like a shrine. There's that, I forget what it was called. I, I meant to look it up. That, like, cube beast thing that they fought, like, in the last episode. And, and then there's, like, so there's something under the cage because it, like, wags a finger at him for, like, holding the idol. So it's like, what is this under this cage? Then it cuts to, like, the, the Candy Kingdom. He goes to, like, a, a candy tavern. Then he, the bartender's like, hey, Mr. Petrikov. He's like, what can I get started for you? He's like, oh, just the usual. He's like, wait, extra olives and cocktail onions. He's like, no ice. But the, the onions are like stringy onions, which <laughs> was kind of gross. So the bartender's like, straight up. He's like, you got it. He, and then he drinks. He's like, should I put on your tab? And Simon's like, yeah. He's like, actually, I think I'll close it up. Takes out his wallet and it's like some money. But then a photograph of his girlfriend, of Betty, comes out. And then the bartender's like, what's up? You seem a little tense. He's like, no, everything's fine. Same old, same old. Puts the photo in his pocket. And he's like, huh, that's really something. So about that latest Joe Milkshape manuscript I gave you, did you get a chance to look it over? Simon starts like choking his drink. And so the bartender's like, oh, uh, no pressure or anything, but uh, your old stuff, you own a cake? I mean, honest, a glob? Man, it was such, such an inspiration to me. Simon sighs. He's like, my old stuff. He's like, I don't really want to talk about my old stuff. And he's like, why not? You should be proud. You wrote an entire extended universe in a fugue state, if you think about it. So Simon is like getting irritated. Then a metal arm kind of clamps on his shoulder. It's finned human. He has a massive mane of hair coming out from his hat. Huge beard. He's, you know, big, muscular. So this is not the fin that we saw in Distant Lands where he was like older, kind of chubby, whatever. So this is in between, I guess. And, you know, so he's got like the tattoo, and I think it's a tattoo in his chest, whatever. He's like, you know, Simon, I used to really bust your balls about those old stories, but I came around to them. And he's like, oh, Finn, you too? He's like, yeah, Jake loved them. And one of Jake's kids, their TV, uh, he's like, you know, he was the one that convinced him that they were really good. 
And T was like, honestly, I like them better than Finn and Jake. And Simon's like, no, 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 no. It's like, I'm serious. I don't want to talk about them. I'm not proud of them. No more Fiona and Cake. And Finn's like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, I'm not Ice King. I'm not magic. I can't relate to Fiona and Cake anymore. Finn's like, but there's more humans than ever now. It's like, not just your, you know, your boy, Finn to H. And Simon's like, hey. he's like, sure, cool. Funky future humans. I might as well be a dinosaur to you all. And Finn's like, I'm sorry, Simon. And Simon's like, sometimes I used to dress like Ice King after I became me again. I guess I missed being him. And it's like, in a way, you know, I, I guess I was too out of it to understand how screwed up my life was. He's like, ah, but even that stopped working after a while. So then Finn's like, have you talked to Marcy about any of this? He's like, nah, I didn't want to freak her out. And Finn's like, well, hey, there's always tomorrow, right? And Simon's like, you don't understand. It's all the same for me. Every day is just an unending slog towards towards what? So Finn looks at the others for like something to say, and they, everyone like turns away like the bartender. So then he picks up some big tongs from her. He's like, a quest. And he hops up on the bar. He's like, friend, I'm taking you on a quest. He's like, that sounds like just a thing to make you feel better. And Simon's like, that sounds hazardous. And he's like, yes, exactly. Once I take you to the edge of death, you'll feel alive again. And he's like, come on, TV, it's questing time. And Quest is, or TV's just sitting there. He's like, uh, yeah, sure, uh, coming, we're right there. He, he doesn't go. So then um, he's like, Finn, are you sure about that? Then we, we see him like hanging like upside down from like a rope. And Finn's like climbing this like tree or a cliff or something like that. There's these big flying creatures you know, headed their way. And, you know, Finn looks at him, like, just screaming. Then he's like, hmm, maybe we can take it down a notch. So then Finn has Simon blindfolded, walking through, like, a forest. And he, like, bumps into this tree. And he's like, why don't you tell me about the tree? And Finn's like, tree? What tree? And he lifts his blindfold, and he sees that Finn is blindfolded, too. So Simon's like, Finn, I thought you were leading. And Finn's like, come on, like, trust in fate. The invis you know, The invisible forces of the universe will guide us right where we need to be. So he takes off his blindfold. He's like, huh. He's like, you know where we are? We're in the most ancient part of Ooh. Huntress Wizard calls it the heart of the forest. She said that no one should ever, ever, ever come here. There's like it's kind of like an awkward silence. Well, let's set up camp. So Finn starts pulling like huge chunks of like chopped wood from his backpack to make a, like a campfire. He's like, why don't you catch us a fish from that creek we passed? So Simon goes to the creek, has like a spear, and somebody starts swimming towards him. He thrusts on the spear, and it's like into like the eyelid of this huge, gigantic fist. It like kind of pops up out of water and just like, like snorts him off of it, and he like falls to the, the you know the side of the, the river bank, and then um, it like roars, and there's like a person under the tongue, and it kind of blows him a kiss or something like that. And then he like cowers. He's like, don't eat me. Finn jumps down from a tree with it, what he's holding, what looks like a tree trunk sharpened like a spear, stabs it in the snout, like, like through, to, through to, to the mouth. And it's like dead. And then Finn walks up to Simon. He's like, good job, bait. Feel better? And he's like, there was a person in there. Finn walks up to like the carcass. He's like, thank you for your sacrifice, oh majestic one. So Finn, they're like cooking. Finn's like got the giant eyeball on a stick, which is really nasty. Simon like shows Finn, you know, a trick about coffee with the egg and the shells, whatever, to separate the grounds or whatever. Then he says that the forest reminds him of a forest that he camped out in once years ago. He's like, we were on an expedition in Java searching for a lost temple when we were caught in a freak rainstorm. Half our supplies washed away. He's like, ah, but Betty somehow put together a four-star dinner. And he like sighs, like, Betty. And then Finn's like, uh, hey, now, like, talking about sad stuff gets you nowhere. Uh, the fire's getting low. Why don't you gather up some firewood? And then so Simon walks off. He's like, yeah, Finn, just keep him busy and everything will be fine. But then there's, like, someone watching Finn from behind. 
so Simon's walking by like this creepy creek and there's like a lot of like, glowing stuff around her, like like on the, the, the trees and the water and everything. And then it's like, wait, there's a shadow thing following him. He trips and then he gets, you know, muddy. The wood, that he, the, the twigs that he has is wet. So then he starts breaking off pieces, you know, from trees, like branches. Then he sees like a bunch of brambles of twigs by this tree and there's like either flowers or fruit. And he's like, oh, because he fears that'll be dry and everything like that. But then this big bear jumps out. And he's like, it's it's a bear. Just make yourself bigger. So he does it with like the two twigs that he has, and it works because the bear shies down. And he's like, hey, it worked. But then the bear grows to like massive size. Finn is still like eating. He's like chomping on a big eyeball, and then he hears Simon screaming. So he runs in excitement. He's like, Simon, because you know he this is gonna be a quest action. This is what he wants. So Simon's like hits a bear in the leg, and Finn walks. In. He's like, go Simon, hit in the face. He swings the stick up, but then it gets stopped. The bear just, just like chomps on, on the stick and it like snarls at him. And he gets ready to swat its, its claws at Simon. And then Finn swings up. He's like, evil bear, suck these nunks. And he punches it, jumps on its back. It can't reach him. And then he like hops on its over its head, grabs an ear on the way down, causing it to kind of like flip over. And he gives it like another leaping punch. And he pulls out a dagger and he tosses it to Simon. He's like, you got this, stab in the heart. And he's like, uh okay and finn's like this is your kill window the bear stands up simon like swings the knife but then the, the bear like grows another arm in the middle of his chest and it swats the knife away simon's right arm also gets sliced like pretty bad looks looks bad and so finn's like ah it's like time to finish this so he kind of like, slides around and grabs like the the throat with both hands like squeezes the bear whimpers and like falls over and then finn lands like in the brambles like laughing and Simon's like, are you okay? He's like, your back is kind of... And so Finn like lifts up his shirt. There's like a bunch of like, gashes in there. And he's like, does it look cool? And Simon's like, uh, I've seen worse. And, he's, and Finn's like, how about you? He's like, are your bad feelings gone? And then uh, Simon puts like a, on a fake smile. He's like, uh, yeah, much better. But I think I'm ready to go back now. So Finn's like, cool, cool, cool. He's like, I'll walk you part way. And he takes out a blindfold, puts it back on. He's like, okay, let's go. They come out of the forest, and then Finn's like, oh, this is where we part. He's like, I'm going to go see Huntress Wizard. And Simon's like, where do I go? Finn's like, just follow the river from here. It'll take you back to where you want to be. And Simon's like, yeah, right, where I want to be. He's like, no, for real. The human city is that way. He like, kind of points. You see like a floating city. So Simon's like, well, thanks, Finn, for everything. He's like, no problem, Bob. He's like, I love fixing people. Later. Simon's like walking through the woods. He sees like different people and things, whatever, flying like fairies and whatever. This big dude, there's a little girl like reaching for like, I don't know if it's, I guess it's like some fruit in a tree. He's going to go help, but then this big dude comes and whatever helps her. So then he takes out his phone, decides to call Marcy, Marceline. She answers. There's like this loud, heavy metal music playing in the background. And she's like, Simon, you won't believe what I'm doing right now. Me and PB are getting matching tattoos. And PB's and Princess Bubblegum's like, hey, Simon. And then Marcin's like, well, trying to get tattoos, my skin keeps healing over. Because you see, like, they, you know, they put, like, a heart with, like, whatever in there. And then it just, shoom, like, disappears. And the, you, the tattoo artist is getting mad. Um, Marceline and, and PB both laugh. And she's like, Marceline's like, whatever. It's like, so, uh, how have you been? How's work? And Simon's like, uh, I'm good. Work's great. Uh, I made a little girl cry earlier today. And Marceline's like, wait, what was that? Can you say that again louder? He's like, uh, it, it's nothing. It's like, everything's fine. Hey, you're, you're doing good, right, Marceline? And then she's like, Simon, PB's arm is gumming up the machine. And she's like laughing. It's hilarious and it's so gross. 
And she's like, oh, gotta go. The tattoo artist is getting really pissed. He's like, but let's hang out soon. For real. Bye. Then he stands by the river. He's like, sat, you know, there's music playing. This gondola comes by. There's a couple in there. He gets in. And then it just takes off. You know, there's like rockets on it. And it starts floating up to like the, the human city in the sky. He goes, <laughs> the couple's like totally making out by the time they get there. So he just gets out, goes back to his, his place. And he sees a Fiona cake book in the trash, takes out, starts reading. Fiona didn't know what secrets lay in the crystal city at the bottom of the lake, but she knew there was only one way to find out. He's like, you're right, Fiona. So then according to the closed captions, it reveals who's in the cage. It's evil choose, choose goose. So choose goose is in the cage under a blanket. It's like bury the past or even the, or even burn the suffering you can't unlearn. Then he pulls the cover up and he starts like laughing maniacally. And Simon's like, you shut up, shut up, or I'll stuff you. Stuff me with lemons and savory spices. It won't snuff out your existential crisis. He goes his to the closet with the shrine thing, pulls out the picture of Betty. He puts like a clip with a wire on a photo and then one on Choose Goose's like feet and Bill. So then like in the room, there's like candles lit. And he's like, reveal the path and grant me passage. Reveal the path and grant me passage. Like says over and over again. And his shapes are coming out like, you know, whatever, like almost like Tetris shapes are, are appearing. And then uh, Choose Goose like, the portal won't open, you massive fake. You belong in a trash with Fiona and Cake. And he's like, no, no. He keeps like repeating that the, the shapes start disappearing. Then Choose Goose gets, so uh, Simon starts repeating like chanting again choose goose gets zapped and then the, the photo is singed and there's a bright blue light from the back of simon's head and cake pops out it's like regular cat cake and then um it cuts to we see prismo's place the time room the, the cube and then there's like a remote control this and this light on there lights up and that's where it ends so it's like wait what prismo what the heck is going on I don't know what Simon just did, but something happened. So somehow he made uh, cake appear. I, I don't know. And that, that, there was like, that was it. There's like no real Fiona or cake in this episode. So it's like, what, what is going on? We'll see. I mean, I don't know what information is out there. You know, I did interview the, the showrunners, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. But I'm, like I said, I'm just so excited about this show. All right. Then the movie feature this week is The Equalizer Three. So this is Denzel Washington. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua. And uh, so here's the thing. Denzel Washington's an amazing actor. You know, I, I love him. I, I still have some problems with his, you know, dissing on King Kong in, in Training Day. Because I was like, come on, dude. This is King Kong we're talking about. But anyways, um, so the Equalizer movies. And I, you know, I know it's based off an old TV show. But here's the thing. So when, when I saw The Equalizer was coming out this week, I'm like, there's nothing else opening. You know, this, this is my only movie option. And I debated, you know, because I, I still haven't watched uh, Chosen One. And then, like, One Piece, you know, started on Netflix. I was like, well, maybe I just, you know, try to watch a few episodes of that instead. But I was like, no, whatever. So last weekend, I, um, last Saturday, uh, Saturday, not, not this past Saturday, whatever, it doesn't matter. So last weekend, I watched the first Equalizer. I'm like, well, maybe I'm just going to try to go for this, you know, see how this is. And I liked it. It, it was good. And then the, the next day, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, I was like, well, I'll watch the second episode or second movie. And I watched that. So these movies are, are interesting. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not like rocket science or anything like that. And, and it, it's, you know, a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's like John Wick or whatever. Because, you know, there is a, a lot of violence. And some of the violence gets, gets pretty gruesome and graphic. 
But what, what I find interesting about this character, just Robert McCall, is, you know, so he, spoiler, you know, he used to be in a U.S. Marine and he was a DIA officer. But, you know, he has um, he has OCD, which I know it was like, well, what does that matter? But part of it is, you know, he's very meticulous. Like you see when he sits down, he you know, puts his you know napkin and fork and, you know, whatever certain cup has to be a certain way and all that. But what makes it interesting you know, where maybe just kind of plays into it, because, you know, he's a type of guy, you know, he has all these skills, like crazy skills. And, you know, he, when he reads the situation and he, he's a good guy that that's, you know, he has a really good guy at heart and he, he really tries reasoning, you know, he doesn't just go in and he's not just going to wipe out a bunch of bad guys. You know, he really tries to reason with them, gives them an option of doing the right thing. But what he does is when he goes in a room, you know, he can, he, you know, he can read the whole room and he knows like, okay, you know, 16 seconds. You know, that's how long it'll take. And he can say, okay, there's a guy there, there's a guy there, there's a guy there. There's there's a, a bottle there, there's a gun sitting there, he's got a knife in there. And, you know, so he kind of reads the whole room and knows what he can use. He'll go into a room with, like, no weapons. He doesn't need the weapons because, you know, he just knows everything's going to be right there. He'll use guns, so, but he's using their guns. You know, he's not going to come walking in a room armed or anything. So it's it's just really cool to see how he does that, and and it's it's you know you you can't help if you like these type of movies, you know whether it's you know you can call them a vigilante or whatever you want to call them, but you know there, there's something appealing about it, just seeing you know the kick butt nature of it, and and like I said, sometimes it's like oh man, you know that that's just really really graphic. Uh, like the first movie had uh, Chloe Moretz, and and she was like a like an underage, you know she was 17 when and she filmed it, but she was like an underage Russian. Uh, companion and you know she wanted to get out of it and and uh, the character you know he would go to a diner you know his, so we find out you know his wife passed and you know she was all about reading books so he was like trying to read these hundred books that you sure are supposed to read and so he would go to a diner and you know get some have some tea or whatever and she would often be at the the counter too so they kind of talked you know just happened to be in the same place whatever you know they weren't like buddies or anything like that but then she she gets a call for a job or whatever, you know, there's this rich slimy dude and she didn't want to go there, but you know, she doesn't have a choice and then she ends up getting beat up. So then he wants to like protect her and you know, he goes after like her handler and stuff like that. And then it just it ends up being this big war and it just goes from there. So it's like, he's trying to do the right thing. And there's, and sometimes there's like a secondary, you know, target subplot that he's trying to help someone else out. And in like the first two movies, you know, he had someone that he used to work with that was like high up in the government that could help him get information if he needed it and, you know, so forth like that. So that's what these these movies are about is like just him trying to do the right thing. And like I said, you know, he always gives the option, you know, it's like, hey, just walk away, you know, don't do this or whatever. And of course, you know, the bad guys are never going to do that. They're like, who are you? You know, whatever. And then, you know, he ends up wiping them out and usually killing them because, you know, that's what he does. So what's interesting about this movie is because so now, you know, time has passed and it, it brings us to Italy. And, you know, he he goes to this big winery for and it, it kind of starts off where we don't see all the action. You just see like this trail of, of bodies like leading up to where he's at. And all I'll say is what makes this a little different from the formula. Well, first of all, it's it's amazing. And this, this is the only time like Denzel Washington has done sequels. 
as one, you know, when he equalized two was like first time he ever did a sequel. And it's like him and the same director, you know, they've been working on these movies. So I think that adds a little legitimacy to the franchise that it's not just like crank out, crank out, you know, just trying to, you know, cash in on it, you know, so they, they'll do this when it's something that they believe in, they want to do. So I, I think that that, that makes it stand out a little, little more. But one thing I'll say without going into full detail is what makes this a little different, you know, they're, they're calling this like the final chapter. So, you know, as you're watching throughout, you're, you know, part of me was wondering, and I don't know if, it's, if this is what they're trying to make you think ahead of time, is if this is the final chapter, if they're calling this the final chapter, it's like, is, is it time for his luck to run out? Is he gonna? Is he gonna bite the bullet? Is that how they're gonna end it? You know, because why call this a final chapter when there could always be a fourth movie or a fifth movie? You know, whatever. So something happens at the beginning, and he gets like pretty badly injured, and and then you know he he kind of recuperates in a small little it- Italian village like this town, you know. So he's like walking with this cane and stuff like that. And so with that, like, you know, he's trying to go up these stairs and he's just like out of breath and everything like that. So it's like, wait, how are you going to do this movie when he had this major injury, whatever, and, you know, he's so out of it now, you know, is he going to be able to get himself back at peak or is he going to just try to take on the next whatever problem comes his way when he's not 100 percent, you know, because that can mix things up. So trouble comes you know basically what happens is is you know he's spending all this time in this village and and he really starts to appreciate it and you know he becomes like part of it you know they accept him they embrace because at first when you know he he's finally able to like get out of out of bed you know a lot of people are staring at him they're like you know who is this guy or whatever but because they know the doctor the doctor's a good guy and everything like that so they, they kind of trust him at least that the doctor would have you know um may have made you know that he his opinion whatever could be trusted that this must be an okay guy even though he's a stranger so it just goes from there and of, of course you know trouble comes to the town and then he gets involved and you know and there's like bigger stuff happening as well and then you know we have dakota fanning's character who kind of gets involved with some other stuff you know she's like works for the cia whatever and and I really like her. I, I realize like, it's like I feel like I don't see enough Dakota Fanning, but I, I really liked her in, in, in this this role. That's like the gist of the movie. You know, it's it's Denzel Washington trying to do what he does and and do what he does as well. Until does it always go well? I, I won't mention. You know, I won't spoil that. So with that, um, it I would say in terms of. For someone who was not invested at all in this franchise, I can say that I'm a, I'm a fan of the franchise now. I, I enjoyed these movies. Of the three, I can't say necessarily that this third one is the best one, but I can appreciate it that it is a little different. You know, I feel like it's it's a I don't really want to say it's it's a little weaker. You know, it's not as strong as the other ones, but I, I think that it's important that it's it's kind of a good thing that because you know as Denzel Washington's character is getting older of course you know he's not going to be at the same condition as he was in the other two even though they weren't that long ago so you know there's there's just got to be that that natural you know whatever you know with age you know maybe he's going to slip up or just whatever you know he's going to lose his edge or you know what who knows so i i think in that regards it's it's good and it is important that he's not just this unstoppable you know fighting machine because that's not really realistic. You know when you look at like the John Wick movies, which I uh, absolutely 100% adore, 
it's like, you know, John Wick takes such a beating, he keeps going. It's almost like, you know, he has some superhuman abilities. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, you know, look at the, the two, they're similar, but not really. So with this, even though I'm saying, you know, it's not as strong a movie as the others, it's kind of good in a way that the action isn't quite, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of action. There, there's a, there are some, you know, gruesome moments as well. There are some, you know, satisfying moments where you see, you know, the bad guys get what they deserve type of thing. Uh, you know, and, and with the other ones, you know, I, I think there's like some feel good moments as well, which is, may sound kind of weird in these type of movies, but uh, that's just, you know, I, again, maybe where I'm at emotionally or whatever, you know, I, I can appreciate certain things. As far as how this movie did on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's at a 76%. The, the, the audience scores is, is higher, of course, because that's usually how it goes. But what's interesting, I, I just read on, on Wikipedia about a potential future. So it says in August 2023, Fuqua stated that there have been discussions to develop a prequel movie detailing the origins of Robert McCall, which, okay, you know, that, that could be interesting. The filmmaker stated that using de-aging technologies to make Washington appear younger is an option, while he would also consider casting John David Washington or Michael B. Jordan in the role. Yeah, so, uh, and he says, uh, later that month, Foucault stated that while Equalizer 3 was talked about internally as the final film chronology, or chronologically, it would be, or he would be interested in returning as director for a future installment if Denzel Washington was interested in returning to the role. So just like, you know, like with the John Wick movies where you seems like, okay, I guess that's it. It's like, nope, they're, they're going to do another one. You come up with a story and there, there's, there's always room for more. So yeah, I kind of don't like the fact that they call it the final chapter because you never know. And I'd be down for more. And I, I, I think I would be interested in, in a, a prequel as well. Cause they, they've done a good job with these movies. I don't know why I never watched them before. It's just, it just wasn't on my radar for whatever reason. I just didn't get around to seeing it. I, it's, it's probably, I would blame comic vine because I was so busy and it wasn't like a, a comic movie wasn't comic adaptation. So I was like, okay, I, I can't go out and see this because I'm doing all this other stuff. And then I just, whatever, never watched it. So I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I went and saw this. It's, you know, it's, it's a good movie. Not as great as the first two, but it's, it's still enjoyable. And if you've enjoyed the first two movies, you'll probably like this. It might be a little of the same stuff over and over again. But, you know, I think you go into these movies kind of expecting it. Like I said, you know, it's, it's not like cinema art. You know, it, it's, it's what it is. And they do a good job with it. So, you know, I don't want it to be like, I don't want to sound dismissive to it. Because for what, what it's trying to do, it, it does a good job. So that is the Equalizer 3. That is also going to be this week's podcast. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big, huge supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And right now I'm still doing Amazing Spider-Man from 1967-ish, the late 60s, John Romita Sr. era, and um, so what do we do? I think issue 49 will be this week. I want to at least get to 50, and then we'll see if I continue from there or, or do something else. And I'll probably do another off of mine at some point soon. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. 
and that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck what is going to be next week i'm trying to think if there's any shows coming out i feel like chucky is coming back soon maybe not this week the movie feature unfortunately is probably gonna be the nun 2 i didn't love the first one um i did I think I did watch the trailer for the second one, and I'm kind of curious where, where they're going to go with it because it, it feels a little different. We'll see. Um, I, I, I don't have high expectations, but a lot of times that's a good thing because then you're pleasantly surprised. So we'll, we'll see. And then, you know, with the TV shows, we'll have another Fiona Cake, uh, another Ahsoka, Twisted Metal. I don't know. I mean, so I only did one Twisted Metal this week. So next week, I'll either do two, I'll either do nine and ten, or I might just do nine and then do 10. So maybe, you know, stretch it out for two more weeks and just do one episode at a time. Because I, I feel like just doing one episode a week of any show is good. I feel like two episodes might be too much, especially if it's a show you're not super crazy about hearing. Well, I don't know. So, yeah, that's going to be it. And I don't know if anything else is popping up. I, I need to double check that. So with that, thank you for listening. We, I can't believe we're in September already. This is just crazy. I hope you're doing well. I hope things are going awesome for you. I hope you are happy. Hope you're doing fun and exciting things. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. <laughs>